Sirius 197, XM202, the virus. The Ron and Fez show starts right now. Let's get down to it, boppers. Let's get down to it, boppers. Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show. Time to light up these phones. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Give us a call from anywhere in the United States, Canada, or abroad. We've got an 866 number. The world's first 866 number. Now, here's the, here's the cool thing. You can call us, give us your opinion, you know what's going to cost you? Nothing. Why? I got you an 866 number. You got no excuses. That's where we're from, North America, every one of us, born and raised in the N.A., doing it right. And I just want to say something to South America, don't start any shit, North Side. If the continents had a league, we'd root for the Cubs, North Side. All right there. Let's start this off. Here's Patrick. Let me try one more time, dude. Why am I having trouble with this phone? None of these are picking up at all, Hicks. There we go. Patrick, hey, buddy. Hey. Ronnie B, sound like a million bucks. 
Got an LCD sound system, Ichiban, for you. LCD sound system. Ichiban. Uh, playing their final show on April 2nd at Madison Square Garden. That's the end of the line for LCD sound system. This keeps happening uh, to our own Chris Stanley. The feeling of things that you love going away never gets better. Wow. I didn't know that you were going to take it this hard. I, I put that down for a Valentine's Day card. Fucking white stripes are done. LCD sound system's gone. You know what it sounds like, my friend? You're not a kid anymore. Ugh. All your high school bands. What's next? The Pixies are going to stop pouring themselves out? See, this is the good news for you. Uh, no one ever breaks up in this country. <laughs> they take a long sabbatical, but they never break up. I'll pay anything I can get. I don't <laughs> I care. I know. They're back together. <laughs> and oh. you will. You will. <laughs> so depressing, <laughs> though. Uh, this is a shocker, though, right? These guys are pretty much at their peak. Yeah, they, yeah, literally at their peak. Yeah, they just kept getting bigger and bigger. Now they're fucking they're calling it quits. I don't get it. Come on, buddies. Now, White Stripes, uh, I don't think you have to worry about because I heard, and I have some friends in the record business, oh. that there's some auditions going on. Meg is auditioning new guitar players, and maybe that band's ready to go out again. Wait, Meg is the one auditioning? What? She's looking at different people. I sent the. I already uh, tried to hook her and Slash up together. I don't know about that, Meg White. Could you see Meg Drummond to Sweet Child of Mine? <laughs> oh, it'd be perfect. Oh, Jesus Christ. Those big yeah. titties bouncing. Oh, uh, yeah, it should be exciting. That is very nice. Uh, all right, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Run and Fez show. Uh, it is uh, one of the uh, weekdays here today, and it's cool. Uh, Mark in Chicago, you're on Run and Fez. It's, it's a good thing because now they can't become uncool and do like Black Eyed Pea remixes or something like that. I know people like to say that because they they have a a panic when they like anyone. They want that person to die immediately so it can preserve this thing. But many artists, many, keep going on having fantastic music. Yeah, we'd all hate Biggie and Tupac if they were alive by now. It they doesn't make be... sense. And I will tell you this. <laughs> uh, I love Roxy music. Brian Ferry just did a new album that is spectacular. And I don't know what he is, 60s, something like that. So people don't have to suck. It's up to them whether they decide they want to suck or not. I don't know what this whole thing is. Please die. Please have our heroes die. And it's, you know, James Dean is a favorite because he couldn't go on to make bad movies. <laughs> and let's face it, the reason why a lot of people like uh, John Kennedy is because he died early and stayed attractive. Well, up until the last couple minutes. He looked like shit there at the end of the day. Which is so weird to see somebody look so great in the morning and then just terrible that night. Yeah, his head was gone. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, David, Michigan, you're on a Fez. Uh, it might be an Ichiban or it might be a spy report, but... Uh, uh, I'm going to give you both. Spy report. What do you got? I got a oh, uh, big old Obama coming up to our humble little town in Marquette, Michigan in the UP on Thursday. Now, what is he doing way up north like that? 
I, I don't know. Apparently, he wants to see what dogs look like on the front of a dog sled. I, he's got a internet thing he's going to talk about for a small community college, not community college, small state colleges and how they're being successful and blah, blah, blah. He wants to push the internet? I think he wants the internet to take off. I think he's on to something. And I I can't wait till he gets the thing about free porn. It's going to be amazing. It's a left-wing agenda, Ron. You know that. You know what he is? He's a socialist right now, and he's trying to socialize the internet. And he's... Here's the thing that's bothering me. He's trying to socialize socialism. And I want to keep socialism free to the individual. Um, I saw... Now, I uh, I have uh, friends that say to me, he's becoming a centralist. He's sliding to the right. I wish that we didn't have to graph everything in the United States of America. I wish we could get by without graphs. Fez Watley, looking sharp today. I already heard you speak out. So I'm going to guess, and I talked to you at 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. and you sounded amazing on the phone. You had taken care of some business stuff. You've been in a meeting talking to bosses. You were all in charge. So I'm going to guess today is a no breakfast day. I'm going to ask uh, Chris Stanley and remind people the new thing that we're up to. If Fez comes in on one of his moods, where he feels like, you know, he's locking up or whatever these other words he uses. He has to buy breakfast for Chris Stanley. So far since we started that, it's been a breakfast every day. I'm going to guess today is a no breakfast day. Chris Stanley? No! This is the Eggman! This is the walrus! Goo-goo-goo-goo! How the hell did that happen? Did you just feel better once you got here? Um, what happened was I actually went back out and got breakfast. I started to get nervous after the good feelings yeah. and went back and I'm like, I was feeling good and was not planning on any breakfast today. And I don't then, understand it. I don't understand what went wrong. And then I got into a panic and ran and got to breakfast. What started the panic? It was just, um... I don't know what it was. It was like the clock was ticking, and I just got like a big bout of stage fright hit me over the head. You sounded great when I talked to you at 10. What time did you get your breakfast today, Chris? Oof, man, 10.30, because he got in and then left, got some breakfast for him, he came back. So you got him the breakfast after you were telling me how everything was wired and young masks were taken care of and some other things and we're working out stuff and the bosses are happy. You sounded great today. And I know today's an extra happy day for you because Five Live reads, and I know how you love to read about pajamas. How did, what went wrong? I was just, it was, I was walking around, I was walk and just got real, it just came over me like a giant wave. (sighs) And I'm like, I can't trust myself, I better go get an egg on a roll. Delish. Where'd you get that at? Uh, Lenny's across the street. Yeah, that's one of the betters, I think. Out of your fast foods, uh, I, I think Lenny's would be better for Chris Stanley in the long run <laughs> over the McDonald's. Higher quality, for sure. But I am stunned. I Made to order. Ab- when, I, when I hung up with you today, I'm like, well, it sounds like Mr. Watley is showing up. No breakfast for Chris Stanley. I, I, I planned on laughing in his face. When he walked in, I was like, holy shit, this is no breakfast in the sand, all right. 
Then he went out, but I was like, all right, I'm going to go out and get your breakfast. <laughs> John, you're on a Fez. Hey, I got some advice for Fezzy. Well, hold on. The Advice Show. <laughs> That's it. I just wanted to hear that straight. Well, seriously, you know what, Fez, you should think about this as vitamins. Um, here's uh, Jack. Jack, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie. Yes, sir. I got a sad Ichiban today. All right, hold on. Uh, sad face. Ichiban. Okay, the new style Oxycontins cannot be crushed, snorted, Anything. They cannot be abused. They turn into jelly. It's called Oxycontin OP. Well, if they turn into jelly, you can fucking cook it, though. Nah, if you cook it, it, it just it turns into like a jelly. If you snort it, you get a nose full of uh, jelly-like fluff, like you snorted some fluff. This would be nice if you're making an Easter basket for an addict. Gummy goxies. Yes, it would, but not if you want to get high. I just Googled Oxycontin OP, and the very first thing in Google was, how to snort new Oxycontin OP. How do you yeah, do it? Yeah, it tells you to put it in a microwave and all that. Yeah. It doesn't work. Trust me, you could buy 80 milligram Oxys for 20 bucks up here in Mass. They used to be nice. 80 bucks. They used to be what? $80. Yeah. For 80 milligram. Now they're like 20, 25. Uh, but what is wrong with just eating them? Uh, you don't get as high and you get kind of sick, you know? All right. You want to you know what the new thing is? What's that? Thing now? They're the Perk 30, the little blue ones. Those you can still crush and snort. Uh, white people off the rails in America. White people are just batshit. I am telling you now, this uh, TV show, Shameless, is the Cosby show of the new fucking millennium. Where Cosby kind of showed, like, hey, look, there's a whole new way of looking at black people, and they can be professionals, uh, and this is a better light. Shameless on Showtime is what white people have become. Just fucking figuring out these kind of grifts, yeah. spending all day working to get their fucking pills and drinks and everything but. Pretty sad. But it'll be good for us because now, you know... We're all fucking weirded out, uh, and we've given up, and we have a black president, and now finally, after 5,000 years, white people can take the responsibility off their shoulders and just get good and fucked up. Sad, but we had a 5,000-year run. That's plenty. That's plenty. And I just hope that the blacks and the Chinese and the Spanish... We'll keep everything moving along while we take probably a couple hundred years at least off. It's like a siesta almost. Something else we stole from the Spanish. Um, <laughs> James Baton Rouge, you're on Fez. Hello. Yeah. What up? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I just ate some of those OPs, and they're great. You like the new stuff? Yeah, it's great, dude. You wipe the coating off, put it on your, your bottom of your cuff. You're good to go. 20 minutes. Now, $20 a piece down here in Louisiana. Uh, is there any medical reason that you need Oxycontin? I got to get high, Ronnie B. I understand. I understand. Well, that could be your new tattoo. I got to get high. You're a man. You're a man, Pepper. Yeah, oh, Pepper, look at this. You're going to end up on everyone's fucking T-shirt. 
866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Chris in Philadelphia. You're in Ron Fez. Yeah, hey, Ronnie. Got a YouTube bomb for you. Oh, I love one. <laughs> your uh, your birthplace just uh, went into another state of emergency. Four homicides in eight days for the uh, city of Chester. Chester, Pennsylvania. I saw some stuff on this. They're just uh, shooting each other up in a big, big way. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Mm. Um. Well, I don't know. Maybe with the new Harris uh, and that new prison, everything will bounce back there. That was the big fucking thing. We'll scoop out the downtown, and we'll put in a Harris, a soccer stadium, and a prison, and maybe that's the kind of business that we need there. Hey, revitalizing. All right. Yeah. Flipping. Flipping it. Uh, time for you to get involved. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866 Ron Zero Fez. It is the Ron and Fez show on a weekday. Um, and we did end up with the Eggman today. We thought we would not, but it didn't uh, work out well for us. It was the Eggman fake out this morning. Uh, Fez, you wanted to bring up a story, though, about Phil Sims. Phil Sims, the old Giants quarterback and now broadcaster, back in the news. Yeah, Desmond Howard is saying that when him and Phil Sims met up this past week in Dallas, uh, for the Super Bowl, Sims went after him, and that security had to be called in to separate him. Desmond Howard said that Sims wanted to take a swing at him because Desmond had badmouthed Sims's kid, Matt Sims, a quarterback for the University of Tennessee. Well, I'm going to disagree right away when you use the word badmouth because he was an announcer for the game. So he was an announcer for the game and said that Sims's kid was, uh, I don't know, something like the weakest quarterback in the SEC. That's not the same as going around going, hey, did you hear he got someone pregnant and he's been fucking doing two and alls. Um, it's a, the thing that gets to me about Phil Sims is you have the same job as Desmond How Howard now. It's, it's Phil Sims's job to sit down and critique the play of today's players. Now, on one hand... I, get, I, I understand where Sims is coming from. No one likes a critic. No one wants to sit around and hear somebody say something about their kid. At the same time, Phil Sims has the exact same fucking job. He sits around and talks about uh, kids as well, judging them uh, in that moment, so it's the same exact gig. But this Phil Sims, he gets a red ass very, very quickly. I will, I will give you this. Phil Sims is a dad um, like Sarah Palin is a mom. She will, He is like a fucking mama tiger, whatever they call themselves. Oh, yeah. She's a mama grizzly. Whatever the fuck they are. Phil Sims doesn't like to hear anyone say anything but nice shit about his kids. I would hate to have to fucking be a teacher of his kids and have to have a PTA fucking meeting. I would just lie to him. Oh, he's doing great, Phil. What can I tell you? Chip off the old block. Your kid. Because he fucking gets furious. He shouldn't have let these kids go into football when they were very, very young. He obviously can't handle it. You think it would be any different than if they worked at the fucking Winn-Dixie? He doesn't want to hear that this kid fucking can't be a good bad boy. He doesn't want anything saying anything about those Sims lads. He loves them. They're precious to him. He, wouldn't, he would never call a Buccaneers game. 
couldn't, and, couldn't do it. Now, I get it completely. I think it would be horrifying to sit there, uh, watch your kid play a game, and then be responsible for saying whether he's playing good or not. I totally get that. But at the same time, didn't we make fun of LeBron James's mom for fucking going around, you know, battling uh, LeBron's battles for him? Uh, Phil, you got to know better than this. You got to know better. Uh, Jamie, you're on the run of face show. Jamie. Oh, hey. Uh, I got a challenge for Fezwali. Yeah. Uh, tell his secret by February 28th or watch the blind side on the air. Well, what happened is Fez saw his shadow, and that means at least six more uh, weeks of the secret. Well, look who it is. It's our good buddy, Danny Flips. Hey, Danny. Ronnie B., Fez Marie, I have some great news for you, boys. Well, we finally get some good news. Yes, I have a personal Ichiban. A personal Ichiban. I just went downstairs, and I put the order in, and my mother is baking you guys cookies. Oh, Hicks, are you excited about that? Oh, this is wonderful. I love cookies. Your mom's a good baker? She's quite good. I live in the same apartment building as as them, so I woke up early, uh-huh. made my Ichiban. Well, there's one thing in radio that we've always trusted, and that's listener baked goods. We've always <laughs> said to ourselves, why, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, you know, poison, blah, blah, blah. You, you don't have to worry. Fezzy and I got dosed before. We understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right, Danny, looking forward to seeing you. It's Dick Cavett today. What time? Three thirty, four o'clock? 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Uh, and on the unmasked schedule today at 2 o'clock, it's uh, Pat Oswald. Uh, yes, you know him to be funny, but he's also an extremely bright guy as well. And he'll be talking about his career and his new book, and it's a good one. He's a really, really, uh, really, really smart guy. Uh, and now I watch him every night. I believe it's 6.30 on The King of Queens because I never watched The King of Queens when it was on regular TV. I can't wait. Probably uh, next year I'll be a Two and a Half Men or whatever that fucking show is fan. And maybe I'll get around to everything in the right time period. Or we get to Will and Grace? What is that on the schedule? Does that come on at 6.30? If it comes on at 6.30, it's a possibility for me. No, I'm, I, I've, I've been through all of the fucking Seinfelds, so I, why watch? And I've been through all the offices, why watch? Um, I will tell you this. I don't like the curbs as much with the commercials. I need my curbs on commercials. And yes, IFC, I feel the same way about Larry Sanders. I'm sitting there trying to enjoy Larry Sanders, and every time they go to a commercial where I know one doesn't belong, I get pissed. I hate it. I hate it so much. I wish we could have a world without commercials. The exact opposite of the Super Bowl, where it's a world where we completely appreciate commercials. And now the biggest star in the world is the little Darth Vader kid. No one on the planet is as big as the big uh, little Darth Vader kid. Um Roethlisberger started off like, oh, I like Roethlisberger. We didn't know who Darth Vader kid was. Now, everyone hates Roethlisberger, loves Darth Vader kid. Uh, Black Eyed Peas were popular. They're out. All their same fans love Darth Vader kid. Christina Aguilera, America's shining little sweetheart, is hiding in shame. Darth Vader kid is doing the fucking show... Uh, today's show, whoever wants him, he'll go anywhere right now. 
He is a gigantic star from a short commercial. Saw this article where it was just going through, and I love Darth Vader, kid. I thought it was my favorite commercial, and just how prepackaged the good feelings were from Volkswagen about this uh, commercial, and how they just pur- they purposely, you know, got it out there viral, and they tugged on our heartstrings w- by putting Star Wars something from our youth in there. And then the kid, they picked a kid who had a heart condition and that the whole thing was just so manipulated. Right. That's what a commercial is. Yeah, but it's like, take, it's like, fine. So, so now you're mad that you were manipulated by this commercial. It's an interesting thing, Fez. And you'd never had this feeling before from commercials? This is the first time? No, I mean, I've cried at commercials before. Right. But, you know, no matter what you're doing with a commercial... The point is to still sell the product. So I guess the point, and I'm trying to figure out the point you're trying to make, but it's interesting. Where where are you reading this, Adweek? Where did you get this from? This was uh, Badass Digest. What are you doing reading Badass Digest? How did you find yourself going, uh, I'm Fez Watley, and I'm going to Badass Digest? Um, uh, through Ebert. Ah, Ebert. All right, so uh, either give me a copy of this or explain to me what's going on here. You are now finding yourself twisted and turned because you were manipulated by a commercial. Yeah, where it's like, I thought it was just, I thought it was a, I thought I was responding to someone's creativity, not their manipulation. Okay, all right. So, how is it... (laughs) Well, they went and unmasked the kid and t- and told us his whole sad story and everything. Well, that wasn't during the commercial. No. You had already liked the commercial, so what's your problem that after the commercial... Didn't you want to see what the kid looked like under the mask? Oh, yeah. And they did that in the, the Today Show. Uh, and then in the Today Show, they brought up that he had a heart condition when he was a kid. But he's fine now. But this is all part of the commercial campaign. It's all still rolling out. Why do you see that as a bad thing? Isn't that what the marketing firm's job was? I guess so, but it just it just feels like all right, like I fell into a trap. Like I like I don't really like the Darth Vader kid. I was just told to like Darth Vader kid. And you know how susceptible I am to things. Well, everybody I mean that this is the reason for a commercial. I mean, it's like getting mad for the fact that all right, doing those telephone commercials where the kid's calling his dad and you're finding yourself, like, choking up a little right. bit. That's not his real dad. And they're not even on the phone together. And they shot this separately. Those guys might not have even been, you know, have met. So, yes, there is manipulation to that. But there is manipulation to all art. There is no art that doesn't manipulate you. That's and And your emotions... That's the point of it, to bring emotions. Now, in the case of a commercial, they're supposed to be selling Volkswagen, right? Right. Um, So their job is to take things that kind of make you feel good and then attach their product to it within 30 seconds. Yeah, and they really didn't sell a Volkswagen. They sold this kid. I mean, we saw the Volkswagen in the driveway, and that was about it. Well, no, they're selling the Volkswagen. They're not selling the kid. 
they're making you feel good about fathers and sons. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, you just told us the other day how much you love nostalgia. And that thing is about nostalgia. You know, this kind of perfect world where a little kid dresses up like something, he keeps failing, and then his dad helps him believe in magic. In this case, evil magic, but magic nonetheless. But I don't understand why this is the first time for you that you didn't realize that, you know, oh, maybe when you uh, drink Coca-Cola, you and your friends aren't riding around on jet skis slapping each other five. I mean, let's take that. When they show the fucking Coca-Cola drinkers, they're athletic, they're fun, they're chasing life. But you're at home sitting on the couch craving a Coke. That is the job here. Um, let's go over to James. James in D.C., you're on Run Fez. Let me get this straight, Ron. Fez is bothered that someone with a heart condition is manipulating others instead of being creative like their job is supposed to be, like being creative. That's what Fez is bothered by. Um, I think that's a personal attack here, but sure, of course it is. I will uh, let's let's pick this up. If anybody from the marketing industry, or commercials, advertising industry, wants to uh, help Fez out, it's eight six six Ron Zero Fez eight six six Ron Zero Fez. I'm I'm a guy. I want to hear you. I think here's what my problem is with it. You know how indecisive I get on things. And I have trouble forming opinions. I'll go to a movie and not know how I feel about it after I leave. That's happened to me in the past. This is something that I thought I liked, that I really liked. And I trust me, once the kid was unmasked, I was looking up Max Page everywhere last oh, night. Oh, dirty. Just try, you know, finding out more about the kid, more about the commercial. Right. Watched it over and over again online because I thought it was so cute. Right. That wasn't my opinion. That was handed to me. That was... I, I didn't come up on with that on my own. I got worked again. Well, how did you get worked? I don't understand how that's different than any other commercial in the history of the world. Here's what it is. It's I got worked and didn't realize it while it was happening to me and spent I... 24 hours feeling good about something that was just prefabricated it was it took it all out of the moment for well, me what was prefabricated in this case that isn't in every other commercial what did these people do that you haven't seen in every commercial your own your whole life um i think what happened well, i think it was how i fell for this commercial is one thing and using the kid you know a, a sad story kid who had a rough infancy but that had nothing to do with how you liked the commercial. You are now falling into the secondary stuff about it. Yeah, when but you I kept wa- it going all the next day. Well, that's up to you at a certain point. But the fact is, the kid did have, you know, as they talked to him, he did have a heart condition. I mean, you might be mad now for, let's say, the Today Show uh, pulling on a heartstring. But guess what? That's also their job. Their job is, how do I take a story... And keep everybody from turning the channel to Good Morning America. I've got a little kid on here and his pretty mom, and we watched it here yesterday. And then they said, and we also understand this little tyke had a rough childhood. And the mom said, yeah, but he's doing great now. 
how is that any different at all than if some uh, somebody goes on the Tonight Show, tells their born again story or their rehab story? That has nothing to do with the movie they're selling. You're buying into that personality. Um, I don't understand. This is a, this is very very new to me. That you would turn your back on this. It's just that my feeling with my feelings. They don't feel real. And I don't feel good all that often. Right. So now all of a sudden it's like, do I, I'm questioning, this this whole process gave me something to question again. Right. Where do I really feel good or was I tricked into feeling good with some sort of commercial drug? Um, I, I, you could say that about anything though, couldn't you? I mean, do you sit around and get... You've never gotten mad at a commercial before. or And you're not mad at movies, are you? You're not mad at songs. Why is every song about love? Yes, they're trying to tug you in. They're trying to uh, bring out these feelings in you. Um, let's go over here to uh, Chris. Chris and PA. Uh, Fez Watley going through a very bad day today because you found out that the commercial kid... Wait, what are you mad about the commercial kid? That I was tricked into feeling good. Uh, how did they trick you? Because usually I can see through this kind of stuff. Right. I, I can tell if, like, like I brought up a commercial last week that totally manipula- uh, manipulates me. Yeah. But, you know, it had me crying, but at least I knew what was happening to me. So why are you mad at these people? Why are you mad at Volkswagen? Because I, I, maybe I'm just more mad at myself. Well, I don't know how to help you there. I guess I can enjoy you. I'm mad at you. Can I tell you who else I think manipulated you? Who? That fucking article. Until you read that article, you were fine with it, right? I wish I had never seen it. Well, that has nothing to do with this oh. uh, con- conversation. Um, here's Will. Will, you're my Fez. Hey, Fez, I know what you mean. I was in a depression for a really long time, and I was on different medications and things like that, and... You start questioning, how do you really feel? Is this what I'm supposed to feel? Is this um, just, you know, the drugs helping me? What, you know, what exactly is, uh, is it that I'm feeling? And you start to, you know, doubt everything and, and not want to take something for uh, exactly how you feel. Well, uh, here, I'm going to even take it up a notch, and I don't even know if those feelings were yours, Fez, because when that commercial went on at my house... We all went, ah, because our niece used to have this crazy Darth Vader fixation, and it reminded us of her, and then we laughed at the end of it, and we said, that's adorable. So maybe you didn't even like it at all. You just heard everybody in the room go, oh, that's so cute, and then you decided, oh, I like this. So then you're going along with, I found something I like, and for whatever reason, you're deciding to look up about a little boy in a commercial. Um, uh, yeah, which makes me nervous. And then in this hunt, Ebert uh, brought out this article, which I don't have in front of me. Um, all right, let's get over to some of this stuff. And who wrote this article, Fez? Uh, this was, uh, let's see, it was Badass Digest. It was written by Devin Fasari. Faraci? Uh, Faraci. Um, 
right away he's pissed because it's become a viral sensation. Uh, they released the trailer days early, so a lot of people saw it. Uh, many sites unable to create content on their own and desperate to run anything with Star Wars in it glommed onto the video. This also happens on the Internet. And the whole thing, by the way, the term going viral is a marketing term. Regular people never said that. When things started to go around the Internet real quick, whether it was some kind of YouTube kick in the balls or whatever, uh, the marketing people went, wow, what if the guy that got kicked in the balls was eating our corn chips? This would be fucking great. These are these little YouTube videos that people laugh at are kind of commercials and could become commercials with a little help. So going viral is something uh, we're used to now. Uh, all right, this writer also hates Star Wars and feels like Star Wars turned on him. You hate Star Wars now too, right? Yeah. Those are the last three. All right, so that played to you. Um, right away, he says, by using Darth Vader as a kid, it removes any connotations of the prequel trilogy almost completely. It seems square at the 30 and 40-somethings who grew up with the original Star Wars and see it passing on as a sacrament. And all that feeling good just happens to rub off on the Volkswagen at the end. Absolutely correct. This is what a commercial is. This is 100% what a commercial is. I don't feel like there's any trickery involved. This is why when they take your favorite pop song and they, you know, put it in a fucking cheese dip commercial, you're supposed to um, jump into it. Uh, Josh, you're in run of Fez. Yeah, Ronnie, I love the show. Anyway, um, uh, did this commercial actually work? Because, Fezzy, did you go out and buy the fucking Hitler car? I mean, Volkswagen? Um, you didn't go out and buy one. This commercial didn't work for you. Who gives a fuck what it made you feel like? It was a cute commercial. Yeah, it's over with. Now we'll see it every 35 fucking seconds on every TV show for the next year. Let it go. Um, That's all I got. What do you say to that, Fez? I say I was taking an interest in something. Right? That's what they want. That's what you want when you have a product. Um, Chris, Wisconsin, you're in my face. Morning. I'm not a marketing specialist by any means, but I watch a lot on TV. Um, Fezzy, they were talking about this uh, on Fox News, and one of the commentators was talking about how cute it was, and she said, when you own kids like I do, you get this commercial. And... I had a problem with that because I can't return my kids. I didn't know I owned them. But now everybody's talking about this like it's something, and it's really nothing. Well, it's just an adorable little commercial. Be- Look, if it was nothing, uh, these commercials wouldn't cost $2 million a fucking for 30 seconds. And face it, yesterday, Fez, you came in here with a list of the best and worst commercials. Right, yeah. Why do you, why do you come in with that list? Why do you like to talk about commercials after the Super Bowl? I like to see uh, where I fall in line with everybody else in the ad meter. And again, it's about how you fit in. 
and how you feel. Give me a time that you didn't know your feelings after a, a movie and had to wait until you heard what all your friends said. Tell me a movie like that. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think War of the Worlds was like that. It was any of the any of the space movies. Um, let's say I think Watchmen was like that. So you didn't know whether you liked Watchmen. Yeah. Now, did you know whether you liked it or not, or were you afraid that if you said you liked it and then other people didn't, you'd feel stupid? I th- I actually think it was a little bit of both, where I didn't know I didn't know if I liked it to defend it in case people didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So I just I didn't know how I felt about it. So you're almost saying that we have to be careful for the people who out there who don't know their feelings. Maybe if we had something at the bottom of the screen that just would pop up like a little writing that said, this is to feel good about, or this is a bad guy. And that way, everybody would know. Um, here's our buddy, Gorilla Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, boys. The, uh, my, my bride uh, had the same problem. She got very upset when she uh, found out about this little boy having the heart problem, and it suddenly occurred to her that she had been watching a commercial. I think that she thought it was like a little skit or another little creative thing that was going on. And she suddenly realized, and afterwards, after reading all of this and seeing all this about that little boy, that, uh, that they were trying to sell her something. When she was originally watching the commercial, I don't think she realized they were selling something. And so she got upset about it. And I'm wondering if maybe Fez felt the same way. Like, Fez, did you realize that they were selling something the first time you watched this? No, I mean, well, I mean, it's a commercial, so at some level, you th- I guess you know that. But I was focused on the little kid and the fun of the commercial. Um, Glenn, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Uh, Fez, is it more like the, the fact that maybe they had the storyboards up weeks ago or months ago, and they said, all right, this is definitely going to be one of the top commercials. Why don't we get a kid with a heart condition so we can carry the story out past, and that way we're still talking, past the Super Bowl, that way we're still talking about Volkswagen, how great we are, well past the, the, the 32nd pop. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that kid got picked now because he would pull on heartstrings days afterwards. Um, Name me another commercial where we all went and found out about the person's health. Name me any other commercial that we went, hey, who is the guy who did this and what's his health like? I mean, it's pretty fucking rare that the Today Show would ask anybody. Any to come in the day after your commercial. And then it was the Today Show that laid this news out about the kid. At the same time, they put out this kid is not in any kind of danger. He was born with a heart condition. Some babies have to be operated on. And the kid's living a regular, normal life. It's not a sad kid. This is not a sad case at all. This is a regular kid. He just needed an operation when he was born. Chris Emanuel, my friends. Hey, Ronnie B. I just want to say uh, that I, I mean, I like the commercial because, I mean, I, you know, I grew up with Star Wars. I'm a 36-year-old man, and when I'm laying on the couch and I can't grab the remote, I try to use the force to get it. So it's a, it's a fun little commercial. Um, Fez, have you ever tried to use the force? Oh, sure, yeah. So is this part of this thing for you? 
Oh, I, that, uh, yeah, that's in there as well. I've tried to, you know, move a fork or something. Hmm. I've gone through an automatic door and pretended I used the force to open it. Well, what about this, like, cup right here? Have you ever tried to just, like, without moving towards it, bring it closer to you? It's a cup of pens. I mean, I could try. Yeah. Yeah, just put your hands down by your sides and, like, even close your eyes and think. Oh, okay. Just, just concentrate like, on moving the cup. Moving the cup. Move. You did it, Fezzy. Ow! Holy shit! How did you pull that off? I don't think it was my force. Yeah, I got that thing under control. Personally, I fucking feel like you forced me to throw it to you. Um... Let's go over here to uh, Kathy, Wisconsin. Hi, Ronnie B. Let me just Hi, say Kathy. this, home of the Green Bay Packers. Y'all happy? Sweet. Go Pack. Yeah. yeah, I certainly am. Fez, a little while ago you said that you watched a commercial last week and it made you sad, but that's okay. It was okay. And you, and you knew you were going to cry or whatever. But then you, it's like you don't want to be happy I mean, the, the commercial with a little boy made you feel good and feel happy. So what's that about? That it wasn't real, that it was pre-produced. Okay. Well, first of all, it wasn't pre-produced, it was produced. Like anything else you've ever seen. Tell me a real commercial. Tell me a real sitcom. I, I don't understand what this real thing is. Well, and, and, the, and, the, and the point is, you know what difference does it make? Why it makes you happy? Just be happy that it make that you're you are happy. Fez wants commercials like the invention of lying when they uh, go on and say this soda is no different than this one, but if you buy it, I get more money. So I would like you. Um, here's uh, Paul, Wisconsin, home of the Green Bay Packers. Yes, sir. Super Bowl forty five champions. I'm actually heading up to Lambeau Field right now with forty thousand of my fellow Packer fans, wow. so welcome them home. Um, I think it was a great move by Volkswagen to do it. Um, my, my son, my daughter, myself, we're all Star Wars nerds. We have all six of them on Blu-ray. Fantastic. We uh, watched that commercial before it came out on YouTube, and we watched it during the Super Bowl, and since the Super Bowl, we've watched it numerous times, and I've emailed it out to friends and family who are also Star Wars nerds like us. I think it was actually an absolutely brilliant move by Volkswagen to do what they did who kind of tug on your heartstrings, how often, I mean, look at this right now. We're talking about the commercial after the fact. Um, I think it was a brilliant move by Volkswagen to do it, to keep generating publicity, not only for the little boy, but for the Volkswagen company themselves. Brilliant move. Uh, all right. Uh, Fez, what do you say when you hear things like that? That I should have stayed away from any sort of this Killjoy stuff that was put out there. What Killjoy stuff? Uh, talking about the manipulation of the commercial. Oh, now you flip-flopped. You're not mad at the commercial anymore. You're mad at the article. Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm mad at all of it, but at least I would have still been ignorant. Oh, don't worry. You're still ignorant. You're fucking dumb as a rock. The point is, is what is it about information that scares you? What is And I think this whole thing comes back to you're afraid to have your own opinion. And you're afraid to have people differ in your opinion because that would make you what? Wrong. Mm-hmm. And what does and, – and if you're wrong, you're – Bad. Really? If you have a different opinion on art, uh, that makes you bad? 
No, being wrong makes you bad. Right, but we're only talking about a differing opinion. And you said when you have a differing a, a difference of opinion from somebody, that makes you wrong. And when you're wrong, you're bad. So if you have a difference of opinion, then you would be bad. Right, because in my mind, it's like with me and an opinion, it's such a juggling act mm -hmm. because I don't get a deep down feeling on something. Mm-hmm. That it's like, well, I picked the wrong, you know, uh, I, I picked the, uh, the wrong door to go through. And that was the door of what? Of, you know, like, uh, of just uh, awful stuff. The door of awful stuff. All right, so if you and Hicks went to go see a movie, and it was some kind of, uh, you know, Talking frog uh, goes into space and meets a girlfriend and comes back and they have little tadpoles and it makes you feel great. Sounds awesome. And you're like, oh, man, I love that movie. And then Hicks says that movie blows. You immediately think, even though you love the movie, now you're wrong, you're bad, and you're taking a walk into a door full of awful places. Fuck those frogs. Please, let him enjoy what he is. He loves them. They were in space. Yeah, but they're frogs. Why, how can they possibly fly a fucking spaceship? Magic. How about that? How about the magic that is love? Doesn't exist. So this whole thing really comes back to, not that, and because there's nothing different about this commercial uh, than any other commercial in the history of the world. Every other commercial you could go, wait a minute, what does calling your mom do or... Or how would having you know having a dentine make your teeth sparkle and then get you the pretty girl? I mean, this has been around as long as commercials. They really are just trying to create a feeling, and when you get that feeling, they put their product in the middle of the feeling, just exactly like you were doing with focalizing yesterday. You think that those people don't sit around and go, "How can we make people have better feelings about our product?" Of course, that's the entire reason behind this. Um, Here's Mike the Trucker. You're on my fest. Ron of Fest and Pepper, you guys are the best. Fancy, uh, what, what is it that's inside you that doesn't allow you to enjoy things right there in the moment? You have to always analyze everything. You can't just enjoy a commercial for what it was, and then two days later you gotta you feel shitty about it because you delved into the reasoning behind it. Why can't you just enjoy things in the moment? What what? What is it that's inside you that prevents that from happening? Um, does you want to answer? But uh, did I really enjoy it? Did I really like it? Or was I just, you know, one more time in my life a rube who got, who fell into someone's sales pitch? I, did I really like it? But here's the thing. Apparently, you liked it a lot more than anyone else who saw it. Where you seemed like you liked it enough that suddenly now it became a reason to live. It was either a little commercial that was cute or a little commercial that was stupid. We're not talking about anything uh, bigger than that. Now, we talked about this yesterday when it comes to manipulation. The National Football League uh, had its its guys. Re 
stand, uh, reading the Declaration of Independence, standing in front of military guys, planes going over, flags twirling. What does football have to do with the birth of the country? What does football have to do with the military? Nothing. But they know people at home like to feel patriotic, so they give them the patriotic images, and then they put this image of their players in it, and then they go, when you think of everything good about America, and, the, and this is subliminal, think of football. And we all do that during stuff. We all go, what are the... And then think of our product along with those. Um, here is... Um, Here's John. John, you're on one of us. Yeah, is that me, Ronnie? Yes, sir. Yeah, I had one last night that kind of pissed me off on a different level. Uh, we were watching the social network, and I hadn't seen it, and they have, uh, you know, Army Hammer is in that movie as an actor, and at one point in the movie, uh, Jesse Eisenberg is wearing an Armor and Hammer T-shirt. That's kind of a different level of marketing that, you know, here's a family member from Armor and Hammer in the movie as an actor. And there's product placement on a T-shirt in the movie. I found that kind of interesting. Just wanted to know your thoughts. Uh, that's a little further on than Fez is ready to go. That's product placement, uh, where actually there's a new documentary being done on that on Morgan Spurlock, where apparently he had even the commercial people had he started to wear some kind of suit made out of all their fucking stuff, like he was a race car driver. Sounds like it's interesting. It was playing at Sundance. Um, here's uh, Royal in Boston. You're in Fez. Hey, Stezzy. Yes. I've been a big, big fan of yours for many, many, many years. And I always have a problem when you have a good feeling about something. Why, why question it? Why, you know, why dig this deep? Can't you just enjoy the fact that you were entertained? I think you've got to get over yourself or something, man. What's going on? I don't think it has anything to do with me getting over myself. It's, uh, you know, do it's what it is. It's uh, just the opposite. You're getting under yourself. Right. I mean, I, you know, fell for a sales pitch. I didn't, I guess I didn't really well, like that commercial. How do you feel that you sail, fell for a sales pitch? Let's suppose that at the very end of it, it uh, you, you never found out the make of a car. Would you still liked it? Yes, I would have. Even though it did everything exactly the same. In other words, it took all the feelings that you had about Star Wars and your own childhood and brought that and the way you feel about family, how you would like family together, right? And it manipulated those feelings into a little sketch. That's manipulation. You're mm -hmm. not going to be able to get around that. There just happened. Now, what did George Lucas get out of this? He's got people thinking of Star Wars in a fond memory kind of way. I think probably more. I'm sure they had to pay for that. I'm sure oh, that yeah. they actually had to pay for that. So here's the thing that you could think about with this. He's taken the way you feel about Star Wars and sold it to Volkswagen. So I don't know what your problem would be with Volkswagen. You might have more of a problem uh, with Star Wars. But suppose the kid was in just some kind of wizard's costume, right? And he was acting. He had like a little wand. He was waving and stuff. And then his dad started the car, and he thought that he started it. 
Wouldn't that still been a cute commercial? I think so, yeah. So, again, I don't really know what you got angry about. I don't think you are yet either. I think what you did is you read an article, someone had an opinion, and now you're like, I need to have that opinion that that person has. I don't even think this is your opinion. I think it's somebody else's opinion again because you can't even really muster up the same exact rage that this guy got. The the guy who, as I'm reading over this article, he has rage against Star Wars. He hates it, particularly the last three. He's got rage against Volkswagen because it was named by Hitler, and uh, he considers that entire company to be anti-Jewish because of the way they started back in the 20s or whatever, even though we haven't had Nazis now in Germany for what, coming up on 60 years. He acts like it's happening today. Um, but he's way more involved in this article, in this argument, than you are. You're just like, well, this guy has some rage. I better have some rage, too. Um, let's go over to Keith Berkeley. You're on Runafest. Uh, hey, Ron. Uh, the, the whole trotting the commercial actor out uh, on the Today Show and stuff started probably with Jared from Subway back in, like, 2001 or something. Uh, I disagree. I mean, there have always been spokespeople for different products from the beginning of this whole thing. Uh, Santa Claus was once a spokesperson uh, for Coca-Cola. They came up with the image of Santa Claus. Now people go around and enjoy Santa Claus when they wouldn't have even had him before. Uh, Even though he was back somewhere in our mythical stuff, it was stuff that we had forgotten about. People, I think the point is this. You're saying that they shouldn't be able to do sales pitches because some people won't look at it with a critical thinking. Right, yeah. Why is that? Why should the sales company and the marketing company be responsible? Because they're the ones putting it out there. So they should have to think, as they're selling their product, they should have to think, careful, some people are easily manipulated. But the whole reason to try to put out a commercial is to get people to try your product. There's no other reason. You wouldn't have any other reason to have a commercial. So at what point do you decide what manipulation works and what doesn't? Did they lie about their product at all? No. No, they barely talked about it. They just showed it. And how you can start it uh, remotely. Uh, here's Kim in Tampa. You're on Run of Fez. Hi, Fezzy. Um, actually, you should be mad at the guy who wrote the article. He's the one changing your opinion. Um, you had an honest emotion when you saw the commercial, and now it's changed. Uh, he's manipulating you, not Volkswagen. Who do you think is manipulating you, Fez? Do you think... I think that... For some reason, you came in here in a good mood today. You seem strong right now. And yet, when you saw Pepper Hicks, you had to buy him a breakfast. I think he's been manipulating you. Mm-mm-mm. True or false, Fez? Oh, probably. Yeah. Probably is not a true or false. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, I know I'm using a black and white on this one. Um, here's uh, Tom, Arizona. You're my Fez. Hey, Fezzy. Uh-huh. Did you, did you go out and buy a Volkswagen? No, that's yeah. been brought up already, sir. 
Oh, okay. Because it makes no sense, really. Uh, this got sent to um, to us at two or two friends. Um, of course, over and over. Uh, well, here's one. Uh, let people know that in the 1970s, 7-Up commercial really didn't want to teach uh, the world to sing. I don't think that was a Coke commercial. Yeah, it was. It. Yeah, people sitting it, on the hillside drinking Cokes. Do you think they wanted to teach the world to sing? No, I don't think so. I think they wanted to have people buy Coca-Colas. Mm. Uh, Jason, Detroit, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron and Fizz. Hey, I got to stick up for Fizz. I was manipulated by a different commercial. I bought a pair of Skechers, and Kim Kardashian's not even giving me a second look. Well, we're all manipulated by advertising. No doubt about it. Uh, which is why you want to use your, your brain a little bit when anybody's pitching you anything. You always have to think, what's in it for this guy? Yeah. No matter what they're fucking pushing. I mean, that was my whole problem with it. I felt dumb, at, uh, you know, 24 hours later for enjoying this thing so much. Mm. Um, Jeff, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie B. What's up, brother? Hey, uh, I think that this commercial has done a great disservice to a bunch of parents of retards. I mean, it wasn't even October. I mean, this kid's wearing his Darth Vader costume every day. I yeah. mean, this this is going to, like, allow other kids to tell their parents, well, this kid did it. I want to dress up like Darth Vader every day. Look, I had a uh, a nephew that just recently dressed up like Spider-Man every day. And here's what I'd like to put out. Spider-Man and Darth Vader are for little kids. They are something for little kids to like. I get more weirded out when I see grown people dressing up like Darth Vader and Spider-Man. That's the fucking weirdness to me. But, yeah, a little kid will get something and dress up like that all the time. Well, those adults got to impress everyone at the conventions, so that's a good reason, I guess. When uh, I was a little kid, I was either dressed as a cowboy, a sailor, or a fireman. And unlike our friend Eastside Dave, who would dress up uh, as a basketball coach and carry a clipboard <laughs> around. And I believe he thought he was coaching St. John's. I'm not sure exactly what was in the back of his mind. Maybe it was the Knicks. Uh, Jim. Jim, you're on run Fez. Hey, buddies. Uh, yeah. Unlike one of the previous calls, I really want to defend Fez on this. Uh, not not to damn him by fame praise, but this is the first time he's shown some critical thinking uh, in a while, and I think it's a spark that we should encourage to get the old Fez back. Well, just tell me where the critical thinking is, because I've only seen him read another article and then start to think exactly like that person. But but he's he's questioning. It, it's admittedly uh, somewhat derivative, but he's still sort of getting the old brain noodle going there and saying, "Do you feel like hey, maybe, your brain's maybe, maybe, Oh no, just the opposite. Oh come on, he's here for you. He's giving you the he's giving you the pump up. What is it that you're thinking? Where 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 have you clicked in here? Um. Well, I, I'm still thinking I feel pretty stupid for falling for the, for not seeing the manipulation in the first place. And what was the manipulation? Of like, oh, why well, now we get to see the kid unmasked and everything else. You would else. not have seen that, though. You would have never seen that unless it was a 
commercial that was almost a freak. They ran something like 200 fucking commercials yesterday. Most of the people uh, you don't remember, and none of them got on the Today Show. No one had the bright idea of we're going to turn this kid into a megastar. They just caught fucking lightning in a bottle. Now, your problem may be with the Today Show. For now, let's take this little kid's commercial and give you more heartwarming stuff. But guess what? That is the job of the Today Show. It's like if you were, um, you're watching uh, CNN and Pierce Morgan. You could go, what, the only reason that he wants to talk to Kim Kardashian is because she has the number one reality show. And that would be true. And yet he's going to sit and talk to her. But the point is, his job is to find out the people that are hot at that second and then bring them onto the uh, world. So is the Today Show. They only wanted that little kid is because people like yourselves not only watched the commercial, you looked it up on YouTube and then you sent it to your aunt or your sister. Um, let's... Uh, Let's go over here to Larry. Larry, you're on my Fez. Yeah, I think uh, in Fez, I could also defend him. Like, you know, I get really pissed off when I see a car commercial and they use, like, one of my bands I like. Mm-hmm. And I just hate it because I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to associate my good feeling with that band to the car or to whatever, the product. So I think maybe, Fez, you're just a little pissed off that uh, Star Wars is trying to shill their good feeling that you have towards them and associate it with the product. But which I think is ironic because Star Wars shows out everything. So I think maybe that's what Fez is mad about. Uh, are you mad about that part of it, Fez? I don't think so because with George Lucas, I realize this. When the whole set comes out on some sort of different format or in 3D or whatever every six months, I understand what George Lucas is doing. With this, I got caught up in it and wasn't critically thinking. But doesn't that mean that it's a good fucking piece of art if it swept you away? If it swept you away for what should have been 30 seconds, which now has turned into 48 hours. Um, Todd, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, boys. Fez, is it possible you're jealous of that little kid because he's having such a good time in his driveway as opposed to getting his ass crack posed out by his father? I don't think that has anything to do with it. Uh... Well, you know, there is no such thing as a happy childhood, so you should do it like my dad told me to do it. Just get over it. The Advice Show. Here's Jim. Jim, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, do you guys know that that kid's an actor on The Young and the Restless? Uh, yeah, I heard him say it on the, um, what do you call it show, the other day. He uh, said it on the Today Show. Here's Derek. Derek, you're on Run of Fez. Did the uh, Doritos commercial make you go out and buy a bag of Doritos and harm a dog? No, I didn't buy any Doritos. Fez Watley can't be bought. Doritos are really good, though. So, to get back to this, you get really mad at commercials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And now, today, you're doing live reads. Mm-hmm. What products? Uh, we got some pajama grams and some Vermont teddy bears to talk about. 
All right, no, you're going to, no, you said to talk about. You're going to be reading their products to people, right? Uh-huh. Why are, why are you reading it? Why not just run a commercial? Well, because the company wants to have me talk about it. Why you? Because it's more personal. Well, it's because they would like to buy the goodwill that you and your listeners have together that you've built up over the course of your career rather than just run a, uh, you know, a commercial. The guy's driving along and he goes, oh, Fez is reading this. You know, oh, he's Fez is right. Halloween's coming up. I better think of something. Wait, what's Fez talking about? So they're doing the same thing. They're buying into the connection that you already have with your audience. Uh, the goodwill that you've pent up. This is what we do with marketing. And I, the odd thing here is the entire country markets to each other. We are all in selling to each other almost all the time. Um, Harry, Alberta, you're my Fez. Yeah, hi, guys. I want to know what uh, Fez's inner voice has to say about the commercial. The inner voice didn't have anything to say about it. Why not? Um, maybe later on when I was feeling dumb. What did he say then? Eh, you're dumb. You're dumb for not realizing why, you know, you're getting uh, these good feelings. So you just went around carrying those good feelings for a long time from a commercial. Oh, yeah. It made me feel really good. I liked it a lot. And it just seemed so above the other commercials. Yeah. It's probably a better commercial. Most people are putting it at least top three. A lot is the first. Hicks, are you understanding any of this? Not really. I don't trust commercials at all because I have no money to buy any fucking products. They t try to sell That's them. why they don't market to you. <laughs> There's what? any On his street, it's all blank billboards. <laughs> and his cable system actually has a block where instead of getting uh, commercials, Hicks watches old REM fucking videos when the rest of us are watching spots. It's fantastic, Ron. I want to bring up another commercial that people are angry about. Uh, and this one uh, has uh, Timmy Hutton. And who in the world doesn't love that Timmy Hutton? It's great. Remember when his brother drowned and he had to go to see the therapist and it wasn't his fault? Well, I don't know why he tried to hurt himself. Well, Timmy Hutton, who's given us years and years of enjoyment, commercial, and now people are furious. Mountainous Tibet, one of the most beautiful places in the world. This is Timothy Hutton. The people of Tibet are in trouble. Their very culture is in jeopardy. But they still whip up an amazing fish curry. And since 200 of us bought at Groupon.com, we're each getting $30 worth of Tibetan food for just $15 at Himalayan Restaurant in Chicago. Save the money. Unlock great deals in your town. Groupon.com. Uh, hate it, Fez? Absolutely does. Hmm. to take advantage of real problems that people in Tibet are facing where they're under persecution and try to sell group restaurant coupons with it? I thought that I thought it was horrible. So you liked it? I couldn't stand it. Hex, what did you think of it? I liked it. It was pretty funny. I don't know. And I, I now I want to join Groupon.com or whatever. Groupon. Where you can end up, 
you and your friends get uh, a deal because you all go in to- together, I guess. Hell yeah, we all get some, I don't know, half off to Ben food or whatever. All right, let's bring in Mark Zito. Mark, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Ron? Now, if you hadn't gone into radio, you were going to go into the ad business. Yes. Um, so I'm going to have you pick both of these ads for what worked and what didn't work. First of all, we'll go to uh, the little Darth Vader thing that Fez initially loved and now hate it. In the ad industry, is this is something, is there a blowback that happens sometimes when people like an ad so much and then they find out that's not a real family? Well, yeah, definitely, because it becomes too big of a thing, almost in the sense where I think the biggest problem with this ad is, one, you realize that, you know, this kid is an actor. and, and It's, it's not just like, an ad. It's nothing more exactly. than an ad. And it also can become too much. Like, you know, the, the old Spice guy back a couple months ago, that was such a huge deal. Then, you know, it's all over the Internet. It's everywhere. And then it's too much. Yeah, we also had that happen with the cavemen, mm-hmm. where they went so far to make the cavemen into a fucking TV show. Oh, yeah. And then one day everyone went, you know who I hate? The cavemen. I'm like, wait, weren't you just talking like the cavemen? Yeah, now I hate it, though. So it's this thing that you can really infuse everyone. All right, now let's go on to the uh, Groupon ad. Fez hates this, but Hicks came up with a point. Two days ago, we didn't know the word Groupon. Now we do. It's a great ad because, I mean, like, I don't know if it's good for, for Timothy Hutton because it makes him right. look bad. He looks like a douchebag. <laughs> but, but I think for the company, it's a great move because, one, when you're a website, all you're trying to do is drive traffic to your website. Right. And let's say you go to this and you're, you're like, oh, I'm going to complain. This sucks. And then you go there and there's a great deal for something. Most people are going to be like, yeah, I might not love this company, but it's kind of like the Walmart argument. People always like to be like, I hate Walmart. Fuck Walmart. Yeah. But when you go to a Walmart and you say like something for 57 cents, you're like, well, I guess I'll pick that up. Yeah, I got, I, I got a tuxedo for, I think, $3 yeah. not too long ago. And I saw little Chinese kids' fingertips. I guess a kid, when he was making a cuff, he ran off his fingertips. All right, so here's an interesting thing. I don't I, – I had the initial feeling of Fez of, well, that's hack. That's fucking hitting people with their down. But now I have moved on to – I wonder how this Groupon even works. Do I have to know the other people or do they hook me up with other people? See, it so, makes me feel like I want nothing to do with them. I would never go check them out online. All right. Now, before we even get to that, let's go back to that uh, Timothy Hutton ad. And here's my initial thing of – just how weak his voice is in the voiceover at the beginning. The voiceover at the, at the start of this is just terrible. Mountainous Tibet, one of the most beautiful places in the world. This is Timothy Hutton. The people of Tibet are in trouble. Their very culture is in jeopardy. But they still whip up an amazing fish curry. See, at the beginning of it, I really think you needed a guy with a much more sensitive thing there. Um, here's uh, T-Bone. You're on Fez. Yeah, I love this ad because it, it pisses off the right people. To, to get to get upset at something like this is perfect, I think. Good job, Groupon. Um, does that piss you off, Fez? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it pisses off the right people. If, a, if someone in the world is being persecuted, an entire culture which is being threatened... There shouldn't be the right people to be pissed off. Everyone should be pissed off. Um, well, let's go to Tony. Tony Armand Fez. Ronnie, I love this commercial because, one, I hate Sally Struthers and her 
bitchy, whiny, crying. Boy, that's been 40 years. McLaughlin. And, you know, I mean, I don't give a shit about the people of Tibet. I worry about the people of Brooklyn. Um, I, and, Fez, you feel like we, we should be up in arms because we love Tibet. Yeah, and if it was, let's say it's the people of Brooklyn that are being arrested or executed or tried to be taken off the face of the map, you know, would uh, would he feel the same way then? Um, here's the thing. Uh, so who is responsible for this persecution of the Chinese? Uh, the Chinese are. I mean, yeah, the Chinese of the Tibetans. Yeah. And what has America's response been so far? Uh, not to bother the Chinese. Not to we've call borrowed, them on it. We've borrowed more and more money from the Chinese. So... If anything is offensive, it's what you think of the American government, not so much Timothy Hutton. Yet you have a lot more rage, at least up front rage, at Timothy Hutton because it's easier to kick him than the complexities of what do you do when you're in hock to somebody and they're acting like an asshole. Um, all right, let's uh, move this on. I guess Groupon has done this before, and this is uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., the most spectacular creatures on the planet. Hi, I'm Cuba Gooding Jr. Today, their numbers are dwindling. Somebody's gotta save them. But it's more fun watching them jumping, playing. And since 100 of us bought at Groupon.com, we're each getting an $86 whale watching cruise for just $49. Save the money. Unlock great deals in your town. Groupon.com. Now, let me get this straight. If I went to this, I'd have to go with a bunch of other idiots from Groupon? No. How it works, uh, as far as I know, is is like so, certain amounts of people. Like, let's say there's a deal where you get a $50 gift certificate for $25. Yeah. 25 people or whatever number need to buy it before it becomes live. So you can say, like, I'm going to buy it, but if only 19 people sign up to do it, it never happens. But if enough people buy it, the deal becomes live, and then everyone can All start right. buying it. But if there's some kind of deal to a restaurant in town, mm -hmm. I don't have to go with these other idiots. No, you don't have to go at the same time, no. This fucking group on is on to something, Fez. I don't think so. Here's today's deal. Yeah. Uh, $95, $95 for a private tennis lesson in New York, which is normally... $190. Let's go. I'm down. I know how to fucking play tennis. I'll fucking whip that goddamn guy's ass who's Played teaching. such a good deal. $30. Guess what? If you guys want to do it, 75 apiece. I'll give you fucking lessons right now. That's a good right. deal. Just have to go to the ATM. Yeah. Take Fez with you. I need three. I need a group on. I need all three of you guys. Uh, Sam, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ron. Yeah, I, I'm just curious. I've never heard the Fez comment on Tibet or their struggle throughout the years, but now it's, uh, you know, his feigned outrage. It, it seems uh, manufactured, if you would, you know, that, that's probably a way to put it. Is it manufactured, Fez? No, I mean, I don't talk about the Sudan every day, but I don't think they should be a victim of genocide or in the Congo. It might be something for you to bring up instead of gay marriage. I got time to hear about all these things. I love to hear about Stuff that you're interested in. Every day we could have what outrages you today, Fez. I just found out that I did uh, go on something group on before. <laughs> uh, wrote uh, Tamat, which is up there. Two hundred dollars of food for a hundred bucks. By the way, this is a fantastic restaurant. We ate like animals there. I'd like to go back there tonight. Thanks oh. to Groupon. 
Yeah, all because of Groupon. It's a great website. Great commercial. Uh, Rocky, you're on running Fez. All right. Uh, what's up, fellas? Uh, Fezzy, let me just uh, make sure I'm getting this right. It's not okay to make fun of the persecuted people in Tibet, but it is all right to dress up as Hitler. Yeah, you got it right. How's that right? Okay. Uh, yeah, you got it perfectly right. How? Because I lost a bet, and I wasn't promoting anything. I wasn't selling anything. Well, the Ron and Fez gig. I was being ridiculous as Hitler. Did you walk to the Ron and Fez gig? Yes, uh, with a Hitler mustache and, and a diaper and a bonnet. Hmm. I wonder what bet Timothy Hutton lost. Ooh. 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 Pow. Ooh. We'll come back. James, <laughs> Chicago, Chicago. Hey, James, I want, you, I want you to understand something. This morning I got up and checked on my temperature here in New York and yours in Chicago. We were yeah. at 42. You were at minus 10. A 50 degrees difference. <laughs> That's insane to me. Well, I think right now we're up to a balmy 20. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting there. Don't All worry. Right. Good luck to you, pal. <laughs> Um, one of the things I like about uh, the Groupon is it's it's kind of also like a underlying or maybe subconsciously implying that well, all the money you save using their deal, you could possibly give to the cause that they're, they're initially talking about, whether it be Tibet, Wales, or God knows what. So I think that kind of works both ways. It's, it's clever in that sense, and then it's like, well, hey, I saved this money, maybe I'll give 20 bucks to the Tibet cause or whatever, you know what I mean? Here's what Cuba Gooding Jr. should have said. Now... I'm telling Groupon to show me the money. How many times do you think in his life people have yelled that at him? Um, I think every day he gets that yelled at him. Any day he's out in public. Uh, here is John. John, you're on Manifest. Hey, Fez, you know, I'm with you on this one. I, I was offended by that commercial when I first saw it. Uh, you know, I think that it's, it's because they're making fun of the situation. It's not whether you go, I disagree with China's policy or whatever. It's the fact that they're making fun of a very serious situation. They make light of it. It's, it, it, it was kind of sickening, I thought. Um, well, actually, not only are they making fun of it, I thought they were kind of making fun of us, the American consumer. Exactly. That, well, yeah, we don't it. really give a shit, and that is something to wake up to. The fact is that Fez could say that he cares about Tibet. The guy, uh, Tony, could say... I don't care about Tibet, and yet they're both doing the same thing, that there is no real get-up-and-go here in America. I think that's why these commercials are kind of perfect, because they kind of point out, I think, how most people are, where it's like, oh, Tibet, that's sad, but I really want some Tibetan food, and then it's, like, forgotten. We're like a bunch of dickbags. Yeah. I, no, I, I think it's using that, that plight to sell your product. Well, yeah, but it, I think you're more preying on... You are doing that, but the fact that most people are saying that they're going to go along with it, you're just preying on the American uh, oh, like the psyche. Oh, 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 got him. Got Fez. I don't think so. <laughs> just trying to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try. Before he had every other chance, so I wanted to bring him into it. Here is Adam. Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Yeah. I don't understand why, uh, why Fez is, you know, all pissed off about this. You know, how many times a day does he normally think about the vet? 
Why, lot. why can't I think about it today? Why do I have to think about it every day to bring this up and how offensive this commercial is? I'm going to get you one of those free Tibet bumper stickers. <laughs> and put it over your fat mouth. You're only angry about it because they brought it up and you go, hey, that's something I should be pissed it off It is about. true. Otherwise, you don't care. It is true. Um, here's uh, Neil and Canada, you're on manifest. Hey, Ron, just wanted to uh, tell you a little thing about Groupon that kind of talks into your uh, follows-up on what you were talking yesterday about selling websites. A few months ago, uh, Google offered uh, $6 billion for them. What? And the, yeah, and the 30-year-old CEO told them to take a hike. <laughs> Let me tell you something about my new website. And I heard from a lot of people who want to do it from yesterday. I'm going to look at all of these things. But we will sell to Google, and we will sell to AOL. And there's going to be a, and there's going to be like Groupon deals, and it's going to be, I don't know, like great and like interactive. And what are you rubbing over there? I just uh, rubbing my leg. Don't look like a nut rub. Are any of the websites' profits going to go to help out Tibet? Some, I guess. I don't well, know. That's Partial. Good. Well, I'm on board. Partial. Mm. Uh, hey, Arb, you're on Renefez. Yeah, this uh, Tibet commercial. It was in really poor taste. I mean, they. They sat there and they talked about everybody's starving and all that, and then we can get a group ticket for a restaurant. Right. But the real one I don't have so much of a problem with, you know, because they even said, hey, somebody needs to save these guys, you know. That's why we're going over here to watch the whales on a group discount. You know, but... Well, what it is, I mean, you're fucking with the whales by watching them, and you're fucking with the sharks by swimming them. And, uh, you're and, not really Yes, you are. Them. You definitely are. When you go out and feed the whales to come closer to you, you're not helping them uh, doing what they need to do. I will agree agree that the commercials are offensive, but on purpose. Now, at the same time, they had to know playing at the Super Bowl, and some people are going to get real pissed. But I will agree with whoever said Timothy Hutton is the one who's going to take a bigger fucking hit here. But again, when's the last time he had a movie? Turk 182? He actually owns a restaurant that I'm going to go to uh, later. Uh, P.J. Clark's here. In, uh, yeah, he's one of the owners. Oh, I didn't know that. Fezzy, uh, do you think I was luring you into fights with uh, him? Is that why he pulled out today? I heard Cavino and Rich were sticking up for you against Fez yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how do they even know about it? You going down there crying about this? No, no, they wow, were, they, you must just be uh, trying to work the troops here, huh? <laughs> they were they were in Dallas, and somebody told them about the fight Fez and I had last week. Uh-huh. And so then they talked about it, and they said that I should have stood up to Fez more than oh, I did. I've I've told you that a million times. I know. I, and they also called you a pussy, I understand. Yeah, they they. they but kind did of you did. tell them that you're going to fight Mars in the squared circle, and uh, when you beat his ass? I did, I did, and then I said it'll be on to Fez from there. Good. Uh, Joe, you're on the run of Fez show. Guys, I just think that this is another example of our country going to fucking hell in a handbasket. I don't, I don't see how this commercial is making fun of of the plight of anybody. I mean, it's not like they got on there and made fun of the fact that somebody was. You know, was starving. They're not. They're not watching somebody starve and eating a fucking Snicker bar in front of them. I mean, it's, it's humor. It's the most all sense of humor in this nation. 
right, I'll throw that back to Fez. Fez, do you see the humor in it? I don't see any humor in a uh, group of people starving to death, and we're going to talk about getting a coupon for fish curry. No, I don't see any humor in that, and I don't see where it's right to use people starving in order to sell coupons. Do you say coupons or coupons? Coupons. What do you say, Hicks? It's a coupon, Ron. What do you say? I say Groupon. Well, you're an asshole. He really is. I think he uh, got a Groupon for that. I know. He's got a Groupon that's all pissed off at you right now for fucking busting his balls. The convenient and rich team. And I think the Hits 1 kids aren't happy about it. I do have friends at Hits 1. I know you do. Because you were dancing on the fucking bar stool with them or some shit. Great night. We got another one? All right, here's another group on. This one's about the rainforest. I can't believe that I actually used this product one night because HTG had bought it and took a bunch of us out to this great restaurant. And now I feel a little ripped off because I got grouped on. I should have only half thanked her. She had a 50% off on one of the best um, restaurants in the city. The Brazilian rainforest, one of nature's most lush ecosystems. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hurley. The rainforest is irreplaceable, yet rampant deforestation is threatening this natural treasure. But not all deforestation is bad. And since 100 of us bought at Groupon.com, we're all saving 50% on a Brazilian wax at Completely Bare in New York City. Save the money. Unlock great deals in your town. Groupon.com. I think these are perfect. They're getting heat. People are going to the website. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. As we said before, if anything, if I was a rep for, for one of these stars, I, I think I'd be in trouble because it's like, what are you letting them do? Uh, did you mind that one, Fez? Um, I don't think it was as bad as the Tibetan one, but it was bad. It was, you know, let's laugh about the rainforest being destroyed. I thought we were uh, laughing about girls getting their muffs taken care of. And I, I can say this. I don't want to see some big 70s fucking hairy porn muff. Hicks, what about you? Mm-mm. No thanks. We'll have to get in on this Groupon then. I've already done Enjoy it. Enjoy your waxing. I, I did it uh, when the Groupon, and I didn't even know. It just oh. seemed like the same as real money. <laughs> I sat around and ordered. We did the tasting menu there. Oh, nice. For half fucking price. It was unbelievable. That is pretty sick. Oh, man, Groupon's the best. Go Groupon. He'll never go there. He's just trying to get me. I'm but, not trying to get you. Look, half off on Tasty I never would think that I would see Zito fucking pulling Hicks in. He, first he gets Hicks, Cavino and Rich, hits ones, here's, and that little fucking Star Wars kid. Here's $10 of McDonald's breakfast for $5. We should totally get this. I don't even think you got the Cavino and Rich if they're calling you a pussy on the air. Well, they just said I should have stood up to you more, so next time, if that ever happens again, I will. Why don't you go in and say that you've talked to me, and I think that they did a bad job training you because you don't have self-respect. And I'm putting the blame back on them. Okay. And I thought that you – just say this. I, just tell them that I said this. I expect you to come out of that camp like a man. And I think you came over here like a half a twist. Oh, no. I'll send that memo out ASAP. Oh. Yes, and send it to uh, – what is that thing that you guys have to talk to? HR. That's it. 
Yeah, they'll they'll be CC'd. Why everybody? How come HR talks to everybody but the hosts? They have no time for the hosts, but you guys, they ride. They oh, yeah. fucking ride like you stole money. Line out the door. Everything going okay over there? Everything's great. Anybody try to piss in your mouth or shitting your asshole or anything? You've been raped lately? You can tell us. Don't ever tell when we rape you. You ever see anything over there you think is kind of weird for the workplace? Did no. they say that? No, I don't. That's no. really good. Yeah. I want to hear these stories when we get back. Uh, HR is uh, doing a good job of looking into the virus. And uh, Hicks, you said you had something that was just driving you nuts. Something in the, I guess, the world of internet or downloads. What is it today? No, no. Today is Scientology I'm taking aim at. Oh, good. I love to talk about Scientology. Uh, and you're going to blow the the lid off this whole thing. Oh, fuck this cocksucker up. All right. Come on, man. Still religion. Don't act like you're some kind of a group on don't, don't care about people. Person. Is it or is it a fucking Ponzi scheme? Okay, whatever. Now I think I know where this is going to go. We'll hear more after the jump on the Fez Show. Ron Bennington. Fez Watley. The Ron and Fez Show. Sirius 197, XM 202. The virus. Respect the cock. Respect the cock. And tame the cunt. Tame it. Yeah, it's the Run Fez show. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, we're playing the Patton Oswald Unmasked at 2 o'clock today. I think you guys are going to get a big kick out of this. And tomorrow, uh, we are doing uh, another Unmasked with uh, the legendary uh, Kevin Smith, who's taken on all of Hollywood. And you might say to yourself, oh, I would have loved to have went to that. That's why you need to follow Unmasked Show on the Twitter. That's where it gets released first. Then I do the mention on here. How hard is it to make a Twitter account and follow Unmasked Show? You want to see Unmasked, right, everybody? Don't kick them while they're down. I'm just giving them advice. Sometimes your advice comes along like an insult sandwich. Well, eat up then. Maybe don't be not. so sensitive. I don't know whether you're talking to Fez, but I don't like it. No, I'm talking to the Twitterverse. Oh, Twitterverse. Hey, Halloween, let's do a thing called Twix or Tweets and see if that doesn't get over big. Let's do it. And I'm looking for a tweet team. Uh, by the way, Photoshop Mike is trying to do something. We've got the link on 202 Friends. Something about, I don't know, you get to help him get a movie made or something. But he's already... Uh, Been a very, very good friend to us for years. Nick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Nick. Good, af good afternoon, gentlemen. I mean? am completely fed up and disgusted with all of these PC bastards and all of this, oh, you got to be so nice to these other countries. You don't see enough commercials about how many starving children and how many homeless children and how many illiterate kids there are in the United States. You know, God forbid you put something like that on. It's all about Tibet and Haiti and... Uh, 
Uh, it, it's ridiculous. You get tired of seeing it. There's too many problems in the United States that aren't put on TV. Enough. You know what? We had one the other day for Detroit, and Fez got mad at that. You got mad at Eminem. We thought it was great that he was backing up poor old Detroit. We watched it last night, actually, a couple of times. Did you really again? Yeah, I like that commercial. Wish I would have. Who do you hang with? It. Who were you hanging with last night? <laughs> no one by myself. That's the saddest fucking case ever. <laughs> Seriously, I want you to see the ghost of fucking Christmas future over here. That's where you're going to end up. Just standing in the dark in my apartment in front of a cure screen, uh, chain smoking. You have a security gate. Computer screen. I don't know why that came out really weird. <laughs> You're fucking strange. <laughs> Is it cold in here? That you got to wear your new hat. Or it's fucking fifty-eight degrees outside. Rocking a new hat. Hey, by the way, who was right? You were the groundhog. It's fucking so beautiful out there today. It's a springish day. I agree. It's not spring yet, but it's springish, and every day is going to get warmer and warmer and warmer, and we're going to be happier and happier. No. And before you know it, you're coming to to work wearing a bikini. Uh, Hicks, what was on your mind today? All right, so I'm uh, sorry I haven't paid enough attention to you. It's okay. It's all right. Groupon was going on with commercials. So Paul Haggis, the director, has uh, basically announced, uh, let, let loose. He used to be big in Scientology, and then he left when they wouldn't, uh, wouldn't go with Prop 8. Wasn't he kind of almost raised in it or some shit? Like he comes from a family of Scientologists. Yeah, he was uh, all up in it, yeah. And then uh, he has a couple of lesbian daughters, so he was out when they went out against Prop 8. Hot. Yeah, really. Are they lesbian with each other? Uh, I, they've had to have experimented if they're both lesbians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does he know how bad Crash was? The TV, the fucking movie that he won the Oscar for? I don't think so. I think he's proud of that, actually. Oh, okay. I know he made it into a TV show I still don't care about. It's a TV show now? It's been one for like two years. It's on, I think, Stars. Is that it? Where the fuck have I been? You've been fucking busy, dude. You got all kinds of shit. You got two on mess this week. Maybe another one next week. All right, so Paul Haggis uh, basically has renounced the church, hates it now uh, because of that. And has also let that uh, – the FBI is now investigating them for slave labor and child and uh, basically human trafficking. So, I mean, they're investigating the fucking Catholics for fucking blowing kids. What are you going to do with these groups of people? I think they're going to fucking take Scientology down this time. No, ain't going to happen. I think, I think it's going to be a huge hit to them. Not only that, but you know who will go to save Scientology? All the other churches. The churches don't want to see you fuck with the church. Here's a, even a more interesting story. Josh Brolin said that he tried Scientology. I guess back when he was doing W. No, I don't know when he did it. <laughs> he said he was in a time in desperation, and all of us have said, um, you know, at different times of your life, yeah, I better get involved a little bit with something else besides just myself. But he said one of the things that he saw was John Travolta practicing Scientology on Marlon Brando. I watched this process going on. It was very physical. Brolin said, I was thinking, this is really fucking bizarre. (laughs) Then after 10 minutes, Brando opens his eyes and says, that really helped. I actually feel different. Now, Travolta's already put out a thing that said, this never even fucking happened. I don't know what he's talking about. But I want to know what the hell... Travolta was doing to Brando. What physical things was he doing? Was he auditing him, I guess? is that That's what they do, right? That's what the term is, right? This thing to me sounds like ass manipulation or oh. something weird. I don't know what it is. When you say getting physical, do you mean beating up or, you know, let's get physical, physical, I want to get physical. 
Fez, I tried to put you in Scientology a couple times. Yeah, they're um, they're anti-gay, and that's not a group I want to belong to. Are you saying that you're? No, I'm saying that. No, I'm just saying. Did you just? No, I didn't. It seems like you. No, I did. I uh, no. Uh. Uh-uh. But. Well, they're anti-gay for one reason. That's because they're pro-God, and you can't be both. Now, um, but I'll tell you, I've been to church before, and I never saw a fucking John Travolta and Marlon Brando there. This is the kind of church or drinking establishment I would like to go to. That sounds pretty cool. It's a great fucking clergy or whatever. All right, Hicks, I'm going to give you what would you rather do. All right. Scientology or Mormon? Oh, Scientology, without a doubt. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that in Utah. I think Scientology. At least there's pizzazz to Scientology. I love pizzazz. You like the sci-fi aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, Zeno. There's fucking Thetans. It's kind of cool. All right, Scientology or Jews? What well, would you be? Scientology. I think people like Scientology a lot more than the Jews. All right. You're fucking. <laughs> you're almost. All right, now I'm gonna give you a tough one: Scientology or Catholic? Oh shit. Well, since I was never really a good Catholic in the first place, yeah, I think I might be going Scientologist way. There is a place right over in Times Square. I'd love for you to be involved in it. Maybe I'll stop by for a stress test. What I'd love for you to do is to introduce me to Elvis's daughter. Okay. Maybe once I get high into the higher echelons of it, into like Sea Org. I don't even think you have to be that high. Oh, okay. I think she's right there on the fucking, you know, with everybody else. She's like the king. She's one of the people. Oh, nice. Um... James, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, guys, what's going on? That uh, story you just told about Travolta um, getting physical with somebody reminded, reminded me of that, uh, that Frank Gifford story about the two football players stretching each other out in the middle of the night naked. Yeah, that was a weird one, wasn't it? I wonder why that never fucking got uh, bigger play. I would have thought the press would have ran like crazy yeah. when he told that fucking story. I guess... When old people fuck, no one cares. Um, James, the truck. Yeah, I wanted to ask Betty why he thinks that Scientology is anti-gay when both John Travolta and Tom Cruise are in it, and they are uh, questionably gay. Well, I guess not to their church, but it's. Uh, I think. I think being gay is something that Scientology sees as being fixable, like it's a problem that needs to be treated and repaired and fixed. Do you think they can do it? No, I don't think so. Because I know somebody like to send. No, they wouldn't be able to do it. Now, you have big names in Scientology, like Travolta and Tom Cruise. And more. But I, That fat girl. Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley's in it. And Elvis's family. They're good company. Uh, and Chef was one. Oh, poor Chef. They made him quit South Park. And L. Ron Hubbard. The big dog. I'm thinking now if like a, if a big name that everybody loved, like a Clint Eastwood, joins Scientology, would people still love Clint Eastwood or would he be seen as the Scientology nut? Well, first of all, don't get this wrong. People love John Travolta like there's no tomorrow. And people love Tom Cruise. You're talking about two of our biggest movie stars. So, yeah, people might talk behind their backs a little bit, but they love both those guys. Hell, yeah. Those are the two. Tom Cruise is probably the most consistent 
movie star, well, certainly of his generation, but maybe even ever. When you start to look at the length of his career, which is like 30 years, that's longer than what Earl Flynn had. That's longer than what Cagney had or what Bogart had. He's been around a long time. And he's still, you know, pretty young. He still looks good. And you know why? Scientology. He's clear. He is clear, isn't he? Where some of those other, like a Bruce Willis seems cloudier to me. Oh, yeah. And not so clear. Uh-uh, not at all. Kevin in Houston, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, there was a show last night on the Science Channel called Moon for Sale, and this guy started a website where he's actually selling parcels of the moon and he's made about $9 million off of it. So, But he was naming all of the whack-drop Scientology people that have bought land on the moon. Well, how does he and, get the right to sell it? Well, there's nobody. Who's there to deny to him? The guy's pretty damn smart. <laughs> Checking out. The customer's pretty fucking stupid. Yeah, it's I don't think it's going to work out. Um, here's Lady Stardust, or as you also know her. Lady Trucker. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yeah. The uh, way Scientology uh, fix the gay men is they just have them fuck their women's dog, doggy style. That is brilliant. And that way they're just as happy as if they were gay. You get a nice asshole there. Yeah. Coming in, I guess. You get everything that you want. And if you want to, uh, be watching professional wrestling on fucking TV. Or UFC. Either or. Is it still UFC? Is the MMA still that? I think UFC is one of the MMAs. They're the big one. I don't know. How many is there? There's a bunch. There's a couple in Japan. So you're never really the world champion, right? Um, No, but UFC is the main one. If the heavyweight champion of UFC is recognized as the fucking top dude. In the whole world? In the whole world, yeah. I don't keep up enough. I keep an eye on it time, time, time. Good. Keep me up to date. I will. Maybe you can be my go-to guy. Sure, okay. I know this. If we're going to fucking whip Mars's ass with Zito and Fez taking Mars on, no, we better I'm... be ra- ready for this. By the way, a ton of people sent me pictures of Barack Hussein Obama shaking hands with Bill O'Reilly, and Bill O'Reilly gave him the fucking Zito. He fucking turned his hand and had his Zito hand on top of the president's. So Mars was brilliant for coming up with that. He called it. And here's the other thing about Mars. Mars is people from Tibet. Or somewhere down there in Puerto Rico. I don't know where exactly. Yeah, they're starving. I would dare, I guess. I don't know what the whole fucking thing is. His people have nothing to eat. Um, Fred, Kentucky. Hey, Hicks. Yeah? Um, Scientology or Hinduism? Good call. Hinduism has that cool ten-armed... Elephant thing. Yeah, but we got Zeno and those fucking ships that bomb the shit out of uh, volcanoes and release Thetans to the atmosphere. Man, you really know a lot about this. A lot more than I ever thought. Well, yeah, it's Scientology, man. What about that I or a Buddhist? Seems like you can't even do nothing wrong if you're a Buddhist. True, but they don't have e-meters. And I don't know, like, the whole monk meditation thing. I don't know. It seems... Too quiet for you? Yeah. Going up to some do sort what of I monastery. do. Meditate with some fucking uh, earbuds. Oh, cool. Some people meditate and I'm rocking and rocking fucking hard. All right. We'll be Buddha's buddies. I don't know if my Scientology overlords would like that. Is that what they're called? I guess. 
I wouldn't mind starting a fucking Scientology radio division if they want to get involved in it. Fuck uh, yeah. Starting this new major website that's going to blow everybody's shit away. Forget Groupon and forget Huffington Post. And I'm cashing out for big money. I just need the right partner. I was actually up all night thinking about it. Blow this fucker up. Well, this is, uh, yeah. Let's go over here to uh, Lewis. You're on Ron Fez. Hello? Yeah. Hi, this is Lewis. Uh, Hicks wants to be a hipster Scientologist just like Beck. Um, that'd be perfect for you. Listen to this shit. This could be you. Something's wrong cause my mind is spreading. And everywhere I look, there's a dead end waiting. Temperatures dropping at the rotten oasis. Stealing kisses from the leprous faces. Garbage mentions, mouthwash, jukebox, gasoline. Pistols are pointing at a poor man's pockets, smiling eyes ripping out of his sockets. Got a devil's haircut in my mind. Got a devil's haircut in my mind. Got a devil's haircut in my mind. Hicks, why don't you take us into sex laws? That's the fucking Scientology shit I like. How could you not love Beck? Oh, he's the best. Hitching a ride with the bleeding noses. Coming to town with the briefcase blues. This blows the Catholics away. This makes the Catholics like fucking too old school. Give me the other big Scientology hymn that I love. They're bringing it up in there. It's not in delight. What? Doesn't make any sense. That's pussy. Here. It is pussy. Scientology. This shit right here. Can't you hear those cavalry drums hijacking your equilibrium? Hear that snacks in the mausoleum and the pixelated doctor's mom. Coming across in the cavalry night, breathing free of rubber candlelight. Coquettes, bitch, slap you so polite. Lives. 
Fez show. Say hi to the Scientologist, Pepper Hicks. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Hey, Pepper, uh, you know, if you become a Scientologist, you can't take drugs anymore. What? Not even prescription. Guess thought... what? He's going to be a scientist. Plus, one time, um wasn't easy. Who's from Public Enemy? Public Enemy. The one with the fucking clock around his neck. Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav did my show in Florida, and we were talking to him, and he was like all pro-Islam. And a guy called up and said, I just saw you at a restaurant, and you're eating bacon. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, if you're, in a, if you're a Muslim, you can't eat bacon. He goes like this. Yeah, I'm a Muslim, and I eat bacon. I'm oh. a Muslim, plus I eat bacon. And he was like, that just fucking settled it for him. That's awesome. Good so that'll be you, Hicks. Yeah. Scientology Plus. Charlie, you're on the Ron Fez show. Ronnie, I thought Scientology takes all your money. I thought for every level you get cleared, you know, you have to pay. Guess what? Once fucking Hicks gets himself up to the top of that pyramid, we're all going to be farting through silk. Exactly. I start getting paid, motherfucker. Let's That's go. right. Come on. Get to the next level. What do you mean? This kid got to get paid. You got it. You two violas? You got that too. Empty wallets, empty parking lots. That's not my style. Sex laws. You want to defy him? I want to defy him, too. Let's go! That's some great shit there. I don't care what anybody says about Beck. And he's got a great beer. Uh, Craig, Chicago, you're on a Fez. Hey, Fezzy, has, you, has anybody ever claimed that $1,000 you were putting up for Andy Griffith's vandalism? Nope, that we have never caught the perpetrator there. Who? Okay, well, Harry Carey's uh, statue just got fucked up in Chicago. Why don't you move that $1,000 over there? We'll find those cocksuckers. Here's what I'm willing to do. Uh, somebody went over there and wrote socks across Harry Carey. Um, and the Ron Fez show and my new unnamed website, in conjunction with Molly's Cupcakes, are putting up a mini cupcake to the arrest and prosecution of the person who did this. Now, that's a mini cupcake, no beverage. So, I wouldn't mind getting this whole thing going. Sounds fair, Ron. And I'm going to tell you right now, um, you're not going to be able to eat just one. So I think we're going to end up on the good end of this by whoever figures out. But 
I want to put up this mini cupcake on the arrests, prosecution, and then finally the execution of the person who did this, who spray painted this. Public execution? No, it's going to be fucking private outside of Molly's. I got two fucking uh, pipe pit and fucking bus boys ready to do something about it. Molly says crackhead bus boys? Absolutely not. And one day, despite any rumors that you hear, they will be opening in New York. But that was like a fantasy story. You know something? I don't run down some of your dreams. I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just, I can't wait to be there. I, I want some Ronnie B. Cupcakes, baby. Come on. Come on, my caca. Maybe you didn't see Toy Story 3. Nope. But in that, the toys really find out a lesson about children and what friendship is about. And maybe you do need to see that. I haven't seen it either, but I have a feeling that working together with each other and caring plays a very big part of it. I was going to ask you this, Six. If you were a little kid and they would have told you you get the cowboy or the astronaut, what would you want? Cowboy. As a little kid, I would say cowboy. But think as an adult, I would have maybe said astronaut. Interesting. As a kid, definitely cowboy. Does he? I would have taken the spaceman as a little kid. Oh. I was straight cowboy. I was long in the fucking saddle as a child. What fucking cowboy? I could give two shit about going to space. Yeah, it seemed complicated. I mean, as a cowboy, you sound... It seemed fucking, fucking made up, where people do become cowboys and they do shoot minorities. What? Uh, cowboy or sailor when you were a kid? Oh, cowboy. Cowboy or fireman? Because I had a fireman fucking fixation when I was a kid. Fireman, yeah, that truck was badass. And plus the whole, their whole fucking gear, all the gear in their outfit and shit. Fuck yeah, cool. it's a great look. You get the fucking hack shit with a fucking giant axe. And let's face it, you're more likely to run into a fireman than you are a fucking cowboy somewhere. <laughs> Maybe if I grew up in Texas, my cowboy dreams would work. Now, not only did... You would have been so fucking jealous of me, Hicks. My grandfather was a fireman. Oh, badass. Better. He drove the back of the hook and ladder. Holy shit. And would drive it up to my house, beep the horn when they were out rolling around, and I would go running out with all my friends, and he'd put me up on top of it. That's awesome, man. And then the other kids were like, can we get on the truck? And he goes, no, insurance purposes. <laughs> and I would just, put, I would fucking seriously, I'd sit on the top of that fire truck, and I'd feel like this. I am so much better than my friends. Hell yeah. They are peons now. And I'm on top of the world. And then one day I always said, I'm going to be a fireman. And my grandfather used to look at me and goes, I know you're not. And I go, why? And he goes, you're so lazy. And he goes, you don't understand. We're always fucking either cleaning shit up or testing hoses. He goes, it's really not all that you think. Aww. And I go, maybe I'll just be the kind of fireman who shows up at fires and nothing else. Sounds about right. I mean, I saw a backdraft. Because I'll tell you what, I don't need to be in that firehouse for a full 24 hours. I'll have the cell phone with me at all times. Give me a call. Bring my fucking gear there. I'll get dressed out there and put yeah. it out to fire. Yeah, well, why is there always, like, sleeping cots and whatnot? And... Come on. It's a little, I don't want to say homoerotic, but it is. Oh, yeah. I think it's more than a little. Mm. Good point. There was a survey in Glamour magazine where 70... 70- well, hold on. Let's stop before we go. What the fuck is Glamour magazine? I never even heard of this. It's a magazine about glamour and fashion, that sort of thing. What are you doing reading that? 
Well, it's just th- thumbing through it. By thumbing through it, you mean your own asshole? No, the magazine. Oh, uh, bulldoze. What is it, Fez? Um, there was a, a, a 75% of women said they fantasize about their guy being dressed as a fireman. Let me just uh, add something to this. 75% of women would fucking blow a stranger they just met in Atlantic City. <laughs> Particularly the ones that read Glamour magazine. So it's very weird that uh, little kids like five and under have the same fantasy as adult women. The fireman uniform. And the fireman uniform isn't even all that sexy. It's a big coat. It's big giant pants, big boots. Well, I don't think they're looking for form-fitting. I think they're looking for the guy inside, a hero. That's what they're after. Firemen got fucking pitched to little girls, too, like it did to little boys. You know, they were told, oh, look at those firemen. Aren't they great? I feel bad for, like, the paramedics. They go out with the firemen, the EMTs. They save a lot of lives themselves. They're not fantasized about or their uniform. It's all a matter of mythology. Here's the thing. Think about it a little bit. An EMT is carrying a sick person out, right? Uh-huh. A fireman is carrying out a healthy person. How does that end? Fuck. That's how it ends. That's the end of that fantasy. Now, an EMT runs into somebody when they got a fucking blood clot or something. He ain't going to bang her in the back of the ambulance. Boring. It's a little disgusting. Um, Hicks, maybe, you know what? You can still be a fucking fireman. I guess I could try out for the test. You better get somebody to take it for you. Because you fucking fall down around here setting up mics. True. Yeah, bringing up the dead wasn't very glamorous CMTs either. No, of course not. And it's not that kind of hero. No. It's a whole different kind of hero. Let's, uh, hey, you're on the Run of Face show. Hey. Chris from Alabama. Hey, Chris, what's up? Uh, I want to tell Fez that he's wrong there about the EMTs. EMTs uh, get fantasized and are wanted just as much as the firefighters. I used to be a volunteer, and we used to see action all the time. I've never seen a, you know, men of the EMT calendar, though. I've never seen a men of anything calendar. Where are you going to see those? What kind of place you got to be going? Um, Dave, you're on my Fez. Hello. Yeah. Hey, I was just going to tell Fezzy. Uh, he said the fireman isn't his type. I was just wondering if uh, Cowboy or Carpenter is more his style. I think uh, the, uh, the Cowboy uh, outfit is probably sexier. I guess it all depends on how dirty you get doing your job. That seems to be where part of the fantasy comes from. I'm a little disgusted by this whole fucking thing. I mean, maybe if we moved it to LQ one day, I'd be able to handle it better. I, I don't know how to respond back to you. I feel like Fez now. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm locked up. 
Man, I think it's uh, the soot. Uh, uh, I got nothing. I don't have anything. That's why they're dirty in those calendars. I don't know what to say. Mike on the Run of Fez show. Hey Fezzy, uh, the new the new outrage of Super Bowl commercials today is the one where the black chick throws a soda can and hits white girl on the head. Everybody's up in an outrage about it because it's the stereotypical angry black woman. How do you feel about that one? I, I will. I'll speak up for Fez here because I think you're a little locked up right now. Since I did the locked up joke, I didn't mean to do that. I'm just saying some things actually make me uncomfortable. But it's interesting when we lock up together. Uh, I was already mad at her for throwing at the black guy. It really makes me disgusted when they show, like, a guy checking out another woman so his woman fucking gets physical with him. Because if you showed something where a guy goes, oh, I'm fucking really uh, jealous about something, so I'm going to hit my woman, you would be a lunatic. So fuck... She just seemed like a really bad person throughout the entire commercial. She's just really That's mean racist. to the guy. That's racism. That's pure racism. Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Fez, I'm coming to uh, Dick Cavett on Nash later today. Would it be all right with you if I came dressed in my uh, cowboy outfit? I'm, uh, I, okay. That's a little uncomfortable, I know. Um, we'll put you in the back. Oh. A little bit later on, we'll be playing the Pat Oswalt Unmasked. That'll be uh, uh, coming up a little bit later on today's Run and Fez show. Uh, Robert, you're Run and Fez. Hey, uh, Fez, tell Ron what you want for breakfast since he's starting to lock up now. I, shouldn't I get the breakfast? Oh, uh, you too, Pepper. Thanks. Uh-oh. Can I get breakfast? What are you going to fucking start? You're an asshole. Jerk off. Everything about you sucks ass and you know it. Wrong voice. Everything sucks ass about you, dude. Now, here's the thing. Because people will write to me. Like, they'll go, I hate it when you just be quiet and let Fez have dead air, right? Right, yeah. I'm the fucking bad guy. What about all day? He leaves me, and I got to fucking fill time. No one ever says, hey, Ron, I really felt bad about that three hours and 58 minutes the Fez didn't answer you back or took the long pause that you jumped in and filled. But if I do this... Uh-huh. Everyone's mad at me. Pat, uh, well, later today... Patton Oswald. Wrong the, voice. Patton Oswald pajamas a little later on today. I don't even know how to do my own fucking voice. That's the weirdest thing. I wouldn't know what. By the way, by him saying wrong voice, he's busting your balls. Because he's going back to this. Fez voice. So don't look down there. There ain't nothing down there. It's all up here, eye level. 
Um, Paul, you're on the fence. Oh, hey, Ron. I, I, I know you're having trouble and you're locked up. I want to see if I can give you some advice to help you out. No, please don't. I don't need any. It's not helping. The Advice Show. No, that starts. I know there's things I'm supposed to be working on. Have you tried some antidepressants? No, I'm not going to do that. You tried focalizing, Ron? Uh, you know I... The Advice Show. Greg. What's going on, buddy? Yeah. Hey, I got to be honest. Like, I called a week and a half ago about why I was starting to like Zito, and that's why I really think that I started to appreciate Zito. He at least tells Fez that, you know, he calls him out on his silence, on all the other bullshit, and I always appreciate it when you do from time to time. And don't get me wrong, I really... Love the old Fezzy. I find it hard to defend him anymore because I see how he would never do it for anyone else. So I find it hard to come to his aid. But like Pepper, when Pepper's called on it, hey, how do you think Fezzy's doing? He just doesn't really say anything. And I understand he doesn't want to get all wrapped up in the behind the scenes. Right, let's do just secret grades right now. Everyone writes down in a grading system, A through F, how they think. Fez is doing. All right. A, d- tell me when everyone's got their papers down. Hicks and Zito, tell me when your papers are down. We're good, Ron. All right, Fez, I don't know whether you've ever watched any kind of gymnastics or anything, uh-huh. but the person doesn't normally grade themselves. So I appreciate oh, okay. you writing your grade down, but no one ever goes... All right, Brian Botano, what do you think you got? All right. Judges up. What did you give him? I gave him a C, Ron. Well, a C. Pretty fair, huh? Uh, Hicks, what grade do you give? Hicks gave a C plus. Hmm. And I gave him an A. An A. Sofas, you see who voted... Least for you, right? Oh yeah, the C and C over there. Well, at least you got a C plus out of fucking Hicks, and he's not going around telling Cavino and Rich to start talking about you in the halls. Jim, you're on run of Fez. Hey, Rock. And normally I love Fez, but the only time it really, really pisses me off is when someone tries to give him good advice and he just dismisses. Like, yeah. The advice show. Oh well, thank you for the call. I got nothing. I got nothing. You got rid of my collar. Coming up later today, Pat Oswald unmasked. Oh, oh. Ho, ho. what a ball buster. Coming up later today, uh, Mark Zito gets called a pussy on this show and uh, Cavino and Rich as well. You feel like uh, that... Cavino and Rich are on Team Fez. I uh, to call someone a pussy and say that he's not doing what he's supposed to do. I don't see where that's where they're on his side. Um, I Le- would imagine there's a sense of relief that he's not in their studio. Leroy, you're on Rana Fez. Ronnie, you're my hero. Please don't. Because if it wasn't for Please you, I'd have I no like- way of telling if this damn XM radio works or not. Because don't. when you quit talking, it's just dead silence. That's not true.
Josh, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, hey, Fez, I just want to know your thought process of bulldozing through your four news stories and then running out of stuff to do. What, like, why don't you try to stretch them all out? Why do you just try to bulldoze through them? I didn't realize I was bulldozing until it was pointed been, out to me. You've been doing it for six months. How do you, like, how do you not realize when you run out of stories after, after eight minutes? Yeah, it's a, it's a bad thing. I know. All right. When is that? That's our bulldozes the news sounder. When are we getting the Mark Zito pussy uh, sounder? When did who who made up the Fez Watley bulldozes the news? I did. All right, let me hear it again. All right, Fez. Remember when you used to be mad at Dave and Franklin, and I would tell you, and Earl, and I'd tell you you were paranoid? Uh huh. I don't think you're paranoid this time. Oh, no, I'm not paranoid. People hate me. What people? Everybody. I thought it was just Zito. Zito likes to rally the troops, but it's everyone. Like who? Everyone. Everyone in the world hates you. Anyone who calls. So all the callers hate you. Oh, absolutely. Well, not Fred from not Fred Brooklyn. He doesn't hate me. But what about all the people who call and give you advice on a daily basis? Uh, Jack, you're on running Fez. Yo, what's up? Yeah. Zito's a pussy. Hey, uh, listen, Ron, I want to know what Brian Blee's stuff is. Great. I never looked over. Maybe if I could find it on the bottom. Well, what grade did you give yourself? Let me see. Fez has crumbled up paper. Oops. Now, guys. Yes, Ron? Fez gave himself an F. Oh, that's too low. Even I think that's too low. No. We take that A, F, C, and C+. Plus. We average it out. You get the C, Fez. And you're going on. Um, here's uh, Brian, you're on first. What's up, motherfuckers? What do you um, say? Hey, I wanted to suggest a, a new drinking show so we could really see Fez freak the fuck out on uh, Zito. When do you want to do the new drinking show, Fez? Um, drinking show, drinking show. I'm not drinking, drinking anymore. Show, drinking show, drinking show, drinking show. What do you say, Fez? It would have to be uh, like a Pepsi drinking show. Come on, Fez. A real oh! old-fashioned Fez Watley blow the lid off this thing drinking show. Right back on the program. Are we doing anything Friday? No. I'll do it Friday. Yay! Yay! Because quitting hasn't helped anyway. Yay! Yay! Fuck quitting! Yeah! So you're definitely going to drink Friday? I'll drink Friday, yeah. Oh, no. You really do need the program. I was really waiting for you to dig in deep. Dig in hard. Let's get that Seagrams. Let's go, 7 and 7, this fucker up. That would be bad. That would be bad. Some fucking four locos. Who cares? Me. I'm going to stay in the booth on Friday. No, we're not drinking on Friday. But you are going to go tell, you got to tell your guy that you, you agreed to drinking. Oh, I'll tell him, yeah. I was telling him last night. What did you tell him? You're going to start drinking? I got a break here, Fuzzy, because uh, we got to, you know, start the Patton Oswald at 2. 
But will you come back and pick this up? Uh, sure. Yeah. Right, I won't be here. So <laughs> uh, coming back, Fez Solo Show at uh, after the jump. Run and Fez. You're listening to the Ron and Fez Show on the virus. Here is 197 XM202. Ah! Uh, I'm Ernie McCracken. When I found out little Billy was growing up without a dad, I had to do something. When Peter and saw our picture in the paper, he called the Unified Fund and got involved. I had to. Couldn't help myself. It's fucking group one for you, they just never stopped. All right, Ernie McCracken, uh, what is it that you wanted to tell us about? Oh, you shrink again? Oh, yeah, you said we'd talk about this when we came back. I had told the, you know, you said uh, when I was willing to drink on Friday that I should tell the shrink that. I told him that yesterday when I was having the session. I said, well, I think I'm just going to go back to drinking. But he said he would drop you. Yeah, now he didn't say that yesterday. But I said, you know, we had talked about this, and I was going to see all these improvements from having the alcohol out of my system by the time January got here. You called it January. Mm-hmm. And that was his original thing. He said, give it three months. And I'm like, I don't, I'm just as nervous. I'm just as depressed. I'm just as out of control with my emotions. Then why did I give you an an A? What'd you give out? C plus. That's fucking. That's low balling. I just mean the, the you know breakfasts. And while they're tasty, you know nervousness. I'm, I don't know. I'm hungry. You know what you're saying. <laughs> so I said, you know, I go at least when I drank, there was some joy there. Yeah, you're really known as a joyful drinker, Fez. <laughs> Everyone talks about the great joy that you have is when you're drunk. You want to fucking hit Hicks every time. There's no joy to your drinking. Now, a lot of times things get said best in a political cartoon. And Fez, you had the situation the other day where you were trapped on a bus, right? Yes. Uh, Kevin sent this to us, and this is his political... Come on over and look at it, Hicks and Fez, if you like to... This is Fez trapped on the the Fez bus story. It's just called Trapped on a Bus. That about spells it, except for the fact that I wasn't the one locking everybody out. All right. So, but everything else looked the same? Yeah. uh, Big guy with a bag of chips Mm -hmm. walking away from the bus. Where's the milk? And who's inside? I was inside and... I want you to look at the political cartoon. So there's a big guy walking away, eating his chips, and what's he doing? He's whistling to himself. Right. And who's in the bus? Oh, uh, Ronnie's in the bus and Hicks is in the bus. And what's it say on the front of the bus? Uh, The Ron and Fez show. And it's padlocked, headphones, and this guy's walking away. So I guess it's about when I get locked up on the show. This is why I'm giving him the A. Like, right away he goes, okay, the only problem with this is I was locked on the bus with the thing. That's political cartooning. Um, here's uh, Josh, you're on Fez. Please put that uh, comic book strip up on uh, 202 Friends. Um, That'll be up to point, Fez. 
Okay. Well, then it's not going on. My main point would be, I thought the therapist said three months of no drinking with a program, not just, you know, hop, is it on the wagon or off the wagon? Not sure which one it is, but not just give up drinking. Have you tried any kind of uh, no drinking program? Uh, no, I went to, uh, I went to one thing and left in a panic attack. I haven't been to anything else. Why is your panic? Just the meeting, I guess, right? I never been to one. I wouldn't know. Really? Well, I mean, I, in, like, in, outpatient rehab counts like a meeting, right? It's not like, that's not being in the program. It was court ordered. And I lied most of the time. I mean, quite <laughs> frankly, I don't like the ideas of armed guards keeping you in the meeting, but... There's piss testing. There's a couple crackheads. And some rich kids. Let's get correctly. <laughs> yeah, there's always rich kids. <laughs> I mean, even back in the fucking like 70s and 80s, you go up on 125th Street, you'd see all these fucking, you know, black kids. And there's a Kennedy. <laughs> Just fucking tying off with them. Rich kids always love to get high. That's true. They got a lot of expensive income to get fucked up. And they usually share. I, you know, obviously, Fez, everyone can do whatever they want. Uh, but for you to act like you had joy in your drinking, that ain't fucking true. We've been with you when you're drinking. No, You've I, been a crazy person. No, well, one time, what I said to him was, you know, I would get so angry when I drank. I, we had talked about that. I go... I just feel the anger constantly. Oh, like yeah. I get really mad at little things on the sidewalk. I'm like, that used to just happen when I drank. No. What are you saying? You used to be a pleasant guy when you weren't drinking? Or are you saying that when you get drunk and you then you go outside, you get pissed off of random things too? Right, yeah. That rage would really oh, swell up. What would you get pissed off at in the street? Here's the problem. Despite all his rage, he's still just a rat in a cage. Um, so now you find yourself angrier because you're not fun drinking guy. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, and I've really been wanting to drink and, uh, it just doesn't seem worth the sacrifice. On a scale of one to 10, how bad do you want to drink? This past weekend, uh, I was up at a nine, like Friday night when, and the weird part was that was after I got out of that group. That group workshop. Then I really wanted something. Why? I don't know. It just felt like, and I did. Even when I drank, I didn't drink on Friday nights. It just, it felt like I just wanted to relax. I guess after going out of that workshop, and it just felt like that was the way I wanted to relax. Do you relax any other way? Well, I sleep or I watch TV. Mm. Um, did you get the song I sent you about Zito that Lady Trucker did? Oh, and it's coming up right now. Yeah. <laughs> She's always sent some really great rock, so it should be interesting to hear. She's talented, you know? I'll tell you this. She's always on Fez's side anymore. Yeah. Well, why don't you ever try to get together with other people who don't drink? I've offered to take you places, Fez. That makes you nervous? Yeah, it definitely makes me nervous, yes. What are you nervous about? Um, I guess going in and then 
like letting everyone down. Okay. Here, let's just fucking play act it a little bit. Hicks, why don't you introduce yourself to the group the way you do? Uh, hi, uh, my name is Chris Stanley, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Hey, what's up? Hi, my name is Ron, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Ron. Hey, Ron. I'm Fez, and I'm an alcoholic. What are you doing here? You don't belong here with us. Get out. You're weird and different. I hate you. Is that what you worry about happening? Yeah. Right, why don't you try it again, but in a more, like, do the same fucking thing again, but try it in a more confident way of saying it. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Fez, and I'm an alcoholic. Dick. Ah! Oh, that's what you get. All right, what about this, Fez? Once you introduce yourself to everyone, could you dock or dive on the ground face first? Apparently, I'm going to have to. I got this song up. All right, let's take a listen. What's the name of the song? Mark Zito is such a pussy. All right, good. Song. Pussy, pussy. Mark Zito is such a pussy. Pussy, pussy. Mark Zito is such a pussy. It's all I hear. It's actually a really good song. Wow. They're on the road, too, sounds like. Yeah, everything. But she's never gotten out of that truck since we've known her. <laughs> Get some she's, studio time, LT. She can't. Unless she's <laughs> delivering a studio, she can't get to one. I, I don't think it was that good of a song, Ron. Well, lyrically, it was good. I mean, obviously, she's a songwriter yeah. more than she is a performer. But give that over to somebody like who's ever running on American Idol. Now, today, uh, Zito, you were trying to tell me that Simon is going to beat American Idol now? I think so, without well, a doubt. What's the whole story? Because I don't keep up. Well, basically, you know, Simon Cowell's got the new uh, show on Fox called X Factor. Which is like his, it's another one, it's a brainchild of his, just like American Idol, but he's left American Idol to do X Factor, and now X Factor has announced that not only will their age limit be different, it's just 12 plus, they will be giving away a $5 million recording contract, Damn. which is just a huge prize. Um, so I think, why would you watch American Idol when you could just watch X Factor? Well, I give a fuck how much anybody gets paid. Doesn't make any difference to me when I'm watching at home. It sounds like... The same show. That's the thing. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Uh, give me somebody from Carrie Underwood, I guess, right? Yeah. What do you think it costs to launch her career? A lot of money. Probably $5 million. Yeah. By the time to make the album and then market it, all he's doing is putting on a price tag on what they do anyway. But I think right now the American Idol artists get locked into these contracts that are that are like almost slave labor, and I don't understand. I don't know if they're doing that with the X Factor people. They might just get the five million dollar deal and then be able to go off on their own, which I think is better. Yeah, I'm pretty sure fucking Simon isn't going to let any money walk out the door on him. <laughs> if he make if he's making, he wants some, like most of it. Yeah. It sound it, it's not. Here's my problem with it. And I don't know whether you're right or wrong or whether it's going to be a bigger hit or not. But it sounds like exactly the same show. 
I don't understand. Like, normally you're like, I want to leave and do something new. What do you want to do new? Same show. I think they can have groups on or something, too. It's not just individual performers. They seem to be really pushing this 12-year-old angle, too. Well, you were earlier, too. (laughs) You're pushing it hard. You know what my fucking song would be? Pussy. Mark Zito is such a pussy. You got to fight this, Zito. Now, here's the problem. I thought you were going to be my right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Right now, I got a right-hand man in six. What up? So I need you to be his right-hand man. And I can't have my right-hand man's right hand be a pussy hand. Because oh, that no. makes you look like pussy oh, hand. Oh, what the fuck? And that makes me look like the hand with a pussy hand. Oh, this is looking bad for all of us. I don't think I'm a pussy, Ron. Then why is the fucking songs going out about it? It's why is it climbing the co- charts and going viral? She's Wait. making up lies. She's got a $5 million fucking deal right now. She is the X Factor. <laughs> That's the name of the show? I guess so, yeah. Do you have the X Factor? <laughs> Do you give a shit about any of this, Six? Tell me the truth. No, I've never seen an episode of any I'm going to watch it. There's not going to know... There's a $5 million contract going out to somebody that has the X Factor. Some fucking 12-year-old. Or a trucker. Who knows? Uh, Kevin, you're on the fence. Hey, buddies. Hey, uh, that uh, Mark Zito's a pussy song. I don't know. She did the worst thing she possibly could. She implied he was a homosexual. That's going a little bit below the belt. That's that's pretty low. Uh, Kyle, you're on the fence. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, this X Factor show is going to be fucking gigantic. When I was over in the UK back in uh, September for a little while, they, when this show comes on at night, the world it just shuts down. Everybody watches that, and then there's like an hour post game show that breaks everything down. There's a lot more room for like celebrity judges and stuff like that on this, so, or, or coaches, I should say. It's um, going to be gigantic. But how is it different than American Idol? They, they have. Uh, a single competition, there's an age bracket one, and then there's, like, uh, groups. So you get a bunch of, like, boy band type stuff and, like, Spice Girl knockoffs. <sighs> well, Simon said he wanted to bring Paula on as a judge. So that makes it seem a lot like Idol. The guy, the guy who created Pop Idol and, by default, American Idol, Simon Fuller, actually sued Simon Cowell, saying this is the same show. Simon Cowell's lucky I wasn't on the fucking jury. Um, By the way, Shower Bench wrote in about did did you decide whether you wanted to put that bus thing up or not, Fez? We can put the bus cart, the political bus cartoon up. Um, Shower Bench says I don't understand why doesn't just say Congress on the side of the bus. (laughs) And that would have taught those fat cats down in Washington a thing or two. Um, All right, we gotta get moseying along, uh, but. You're in for a treat here. Uh, one of America's finest comics who's got a terrific book out now, Fez. Zombie Wasteland Spaceship. Oh, it's a good one. It is uh, very few guys that when they write a book, you're like, well, this guy could be a writer. And Pat Oswalt definitely uh, writes uh, in that thing that uh, you, you just have a great time reading his book. He came in to do The Unmasked with us. And uh, really, really smart guy. One of your favorites, huh, Hicks? Oh, yeah. Pat Oswald's great. 
It's fucking amazing to have him come in here. Now, see if you can, too, as you're listening to this, how many times I get his movie wrong. <laughs> Which, And then it, I think it even let him down that we all just laughed about it oh. rather than taking it serious. <laughs> but really, really smart guy and, of course, a uh, funny guy. Uh, and you can see him traveling around the country, get the chance to meet him at bookstores and pick up his book at... Uh, independent booksellers anywhere or at Amazon.com. Zombie Wasteland Spaceship. I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's an unmasked with um, one of the real people working in comedy today and making things happen. Uh, coming up next, it's Unmasked with Pat Oswalt. Ron and Fez. The Virus on Sirius XM. Spontaneous applause is always the best. I love that. I yeah. kind of wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I'd start applauding. Go. It's like this weird in- meeting with this insane Roman emperor. Applaud <laughs> <laughs> now. Yes, do. I do the same thing with my family. It's oh, really, like start <laughs> applauding. I'm awake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pat Oswald is with us. And brand new book, uh, which is Zombie Spaceship Wasteland. And... Uh, What's really, I think, a lot of fun about the book, uh, and you and you get into this in the first couple paragraphs, you pick up on it, is like it's you write like a writer rather than a comedian who's got a book coming out. Oh, thank you. That was I was shooting for that. I hope uh, some of the reviews that I've read are like he writes like he talks. No, I which I, I was like, well, isn't that what a good writer's supposed yeah. to do? But yeah, I mean, I I clearly I read a lot, so I was. I was, I had that weird tension of trying to write more writerly, but not uh, ape the writers that I like. Yeah. So th- th- there was a lot of that. Well, there's, of course, that's difficult in the same way as when you start stand up. Mm-hmm. There's people that you like and you don't want to do there. But but it's unavoidable, especially when you're when you have no stage experience. You just ape who you like and who you're most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I did. I mean, that happened off and on for years, and it right. still happens. Or. Sometimes I will slip into someone else's voice or cadence, and I got to go. No, you know, it just, especially if you really love stand up and you're turned on by right. new people that are doing really good stuff. It sometimes it can be hard to not kind of ape that. And it's it's one of the reasons that that it's difficult to even watch other people because it'll just yeah. I mean, sometimes you sound like the last person. That really cracked you up, and especially on a show, if you're following someone that's really good, you go, well, I'm just going to ride this energy. You know, but if you're following someone like Maria Bamford, you just can't. There's no way. I don't know if you've seen her. You can't amp that energy, but the, the crowd's gone nuts for her. You're like, oh, no, what the hell do I do now? Um, but, yeah, so it, it, that, that's an ongoing struggle, well, at least for me. I, I think that they, but you could not take this book and just do it as stand-up, where a lot of stand-ups no. do that. You know, no, it's I, their act. Yeah, I didn't want it to be my – I didn't want to do – especially I'd read a lot of, um, I thought, really good books by comedians these past uh, few years. Jim Norton's first book um, and uh, uh, Michael Ian Black's uh, book was – My Custom Van was, was, was terrific because they didn't do their acts. They wrote a either a memoir or a, or a, a comedic – book with a point of view so I, I i didn't do anything that i'd written on the internet except for two pages didn't do any of my act didn't reference any act. it's i just wanted to be this here's a whole other new thing right and i was very concentrating on that uh and that i guess is for you 
more than the audience because sometimes the audience would be satisfied with, oh, I can carry the act around. Yeah, you but, know? you know, I, I think the, the people that would be satisfied with that, I don't want to sound snotty, but the people that would be satisfied with that kind of thing are not the kind of fans that you want because mm. they are the ones that will kind of, you know, help you funnel yourself down an alley where you then just become frozen. You always want the fans that want to hear the new stuff and kind of expect something from you, I guess, if that makes sense. So you you expect them to be involved. You expect them to help push you a little Totally, bit. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's weird. I was talking to friends of mine who are musicians, and it's the exact opposite in, in the world of music. If, you, if you're a musician, you put out an album, and you tour, you better play that album. Mm. They want to hear those songs. You're a comedian, you put out an album. You had better have new stuff. You can't then go do the album right. if they've bought the album. They're going to get really, really angry. Or at least the fans that you want are the ones that want to hear new stuff if they've bought your album. Yeah. Because once – I think Chris Rock said it. If you put out an album and then you go out and people see you cause, and you do all new stuff, they're your fans for life because they're like, that guy is working hard and will always have new stuff yeah. for us. And then it gets harder and harder for the musicians as they get older – they only want the first two albums, or, mm -hmm. you know. I was talking I, on on the King of Queens one time. We had Huey Lewis as a guest star. He played himself, mm -hmm. and he would tell us these stories about when he was a teenager in San Francisco. He would go to the Fillmore, you know, to see Zeppelin, and Zeppelin would be touring on Zeppelin Three yeah. at that point. And and so he'd go, we want to hear Black Dog, we want to hear a Whole Lot of Love. And then they would go, uh, this is a new song we're working on called Stairway to Heaven. And you would see people and just go, oh, let's go get a beer, man. This sucks. I don't want to hear this. And people would get up and go get drinks while they're playing their new song. So, yeah. And, and that, I mean, now apparently the is, – is it like Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey, they just tour now and they just – they have an insanely massive catalog. They just go out and play their hits, and they yeah. I think make a hundred million apiece. Yeah, people they, want to hear that. They play the same thing that whatever the FM station is playing yep. in that town. Like, yeah, you know that that those people, those programmers from years ago, have decided what the playlist is now for every concert because those are the yeah, only and that's that's frustrating because I remember I can remember there were album oriented rock stations where the DJs would get the album and. And the record company would go, well, this is the single. But then the, you, the DJ would actually listen to it and go, oh, I like this song. Right. And they would play that, and that could make a, a, a song big that they didn't expect to be big. Yeah, that's Or a B-side. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of gone now, which is too uh, bad. Uh, it, because it's now, too, because we have so many big companies. It's all programmed from one spot. Oh, I mean, yeah. it used to be town by town. But it's interesting we bring up music because you, uh, particularly in the early stuff that you did about your... Um, teenage years, yeah, in Virginia, uh, tied in with REM. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you here, you know, uh, either grew up in a suburb outside of a major city, and you were, you were, you just didn't have the reach into a a vibrant scene until much later. You know, you're like, oh, I was. 40 minutes from CB Chibis. I never went, you know. I just couldn't. No one would drive me out there. So um, I was working at a movie theater um, at the time. This was when I was a teenager, and and um, and we were all of us working there. We're stealing money from the movie theater. And, and the money that I stole, this was the way that I would dress. My friends would buy booze with it, and I would go buy music 
like, well, I'm trying to expand my, you know, with my, with my crass thievery. So, um, and I would, and I bought uh, REM's uh, Fables of the Reconstruction, and so the whole chapter is sort of, it's me working in this movie theater in the ticket booth and listening to that album over and over again, and kind of. Everyone has either the the movie or the book or the the album that you sort of recontextualize it to build a bridge out of your life that becomes your passage out. Mm-hmm. And what's really weird is I, you know, so throughout the the chapter I quote lyrics from the songs and they they form my way out. And then when we were doing the audio book, um, we got Michael Stipe to read his own lyrics wow. for the audio book. And when he was recording them, he was laughing. And saying these aren't the right lyrics, yeah, right. They're, they're not. He he clearly heard them wrong, and decided that's what they were. And he wasn't even offended. He's like, that's what. That, that, no, you know, those early you, albums, you never knew what Michael. Well, yeah, because it's all this. Yeah, it's he's angry at a goat, I think. Um, but but even he was laughing about you put a, a song out and it's kind of not yours anymore. People will use it in whatever way they want. Was he was part of that trio of REMs, the one I love, the Police's Every Breath You Take, and U2's With or Without You? These songs, just about pretty much about sheer hatred, that mm. people just said they're they're love songs. So sweet, yeah. And they're like, no, these are <laughs> like apparently Sting was horrified that people thought Every yeah. Breath You Take was like being played at weddings. And he's like, this song about a serial killer. What are they? <laughs> this is horrible. Like I, I didn't write it for that. So. Um, yeah, so so there was that uh, – when I found that out, that he he was looking at the lyrics going, these aren't even the right lyrics. Mm. And I was like, well, that, that proves the point of my chapter then, <laughs> that I was recontextualizing this album to get me out of the suburbs. Well, I, I love this. I mean, like you said, it's this almost universal thing because most of us grew up right outside the city, and it's yeah. not that different no matter yeah. what the city is. But yeah, you, very few people are like, yeah, I grew up above Max's Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember when I was eight, I told Iggy Pop that he was, you know, he's kind of just coasting. <laughs> well, to me, too, it's always I'll believe a story if a guy tells me he got his ass beat rather than won the fight. So the fact that you're one of the few people from Northern Virginia who doesn't have a million bad brains, uh, you know. and I don't have one bad brain story. I don't have any. I don't have a single Story where I'm the cool, crazy hero. <laughs> in every one of my stories, especially that time, you're like, oh, here's another time where I was the douchebag. <laughs> I mean, and I mean like capital D up on a stage with bunting with the word douchebag on a banner behind me. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing is, nothing is less. And you can tell when, when a, especially when a comedian is young or insecure, where they're like, here's another story about when I really got the best of someone and just yeah. put them in their place. You're like, no, that's, I bet that didn't happen. Yeah. I um, bet you, you just were like me, mumble mouth and didn't say the right thing. And, you know. Well, that's another reason why I love the writing, because when you're, when you're doing stuff, you are kind of patent at that age. Like, you're very, very in touch with a teenage guy wow, or even you. younger than that. That's I was trying very much in each chapter, and, and, and it's, 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 it's out of chronological order. So it starts off with me as a teen, and we go back as a little kid, and then later mm-hmm. on in college. I really tried to sit and meditate and think about as much as you want to kind of rewrite your past or put your, 
your viewpoints now on your past figure. What was I actually thinking yeah. back then? What did I actually value, and what did I think was had worth? Because that's where a lot of comedy will come from. Yeah, you're I mean, like, oh, I thought that was crucial, mm-hmm. and then later on, you know, you're you. So I tried not to put my forty year old at the time I was writing. I was forty. My forty year old perspective on what I was writing. Yeah, it was more like here's what I thought, especially during that that. The chapter about this, the worst one-nighter I ever did, in which it is I'm the dumbest, youngest comedian. Like, I can't mess this up. This is my whole career. <laughs> right. is, I'm working for this coke addict with a, <laughs> in a club that's going to close in three weeks. And I'm like, right. I don't want to get in around. I'm not professional. <laughs> Who cares? You know, so. Um, that story, which it's literally a nightmare. It's because you're out, you're the only person yeah. in this universe. You're away. You're Eleven away. days. It yeah. will not end. You're waiting for money from somebody who's, like you said, is a bad gangster at best, at worst. Is and and, and when you game. say bad gangster, you don't. I don't mean you don't mean dangerous gangster. No, like he's, he's bad at being a gangster. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's just awful at it. Yeah, like he's the kind of guy that like you know you've dealt with those people where where, where it's like they're you're being lied. You know you're being lied to, and it's like. Oh my God! Like if I call this person a lie, it will actually create more hassle than if I right. just let this happen and yeah. get it over with. Because if I call him on his lie, then he'll be in my life forever, trying to then catch me out again. And it's like, just let him have it, so I can just get him out of my life. And there's also that thing is because you're younger. If you call him on the lie, you kind of ruin your own dream. Like this dream, yeah, exactly, is part of this, you know, journey that you're on. So if you Nobody would have blamed you if you would have said, fuck, stand up. I'm walking out of this thing. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's almost like a sensible person would say to themselves, this is a ridiculous line of work to be. Oh, in. yeah. And I could not be less. I could not be making worse choices in that chapter. No. <laughs> over and over and over again. Until the very end, which was one of the first moments. In my, I won't spoil the moment, but it's one of the first actual moments when I had something close to wisdom but like ahead of myself. Yeah. That was one, and it was only it's only a fleeting moment and I don't it doesn't pay off with that with that guy. It's right. just this thing that I realized later. And then of course never apply in my life. <laughs> like, like we all do. You had those great epiphanies and then the next day you're just right back to your old shitty habits. So, you know. So maybe uh, twenty years from now, you write a book about how you really fucked up this book. You wish I'm you sure. I, no, I'm sure I'll look back on. Oh, what the hell was I thinking? I mean, there's my first two stand-up specials. My first one, I have a lot of affection for because you know I worked very hard on it. But there's parts that just make me cringe because I'm a young comedian and all I'm doing is pointing out how stupid things are and how smart I am. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's it's like the classic young comedian, right? Totally insecure and terrified. It's not till my last one that I was more about. Oh, here's this. Listen to this stupid thing I did. Mm. Holy God! So like I'm getting closer to, to where I want to be as a stand-up now, finally. And where do you think that that starts to change for you? Is, is it time? Is it Was there some kind of breakthrough? It's, it's time. There's, I, I, I've never had a big breakthrough. It's all been little incremental things that then I... It's like I have a breakthrough, but I do it in slow motion over the course of like five years. Mm-hmm. Like if you could speed it up, it'd be like those, you know, the the, the footage of like the flowers blooming like that. <laughs> yeah. But you realize it took them like three weeks to film that thing happening. So that's those are my breakthroughs. It's yeah. you're speeding up a flower blooming. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that's... It is complete time. It is completely just... It's also just a lot of failure. And I don't mean like... 
failing so that my career so it's like you go on stage and something goes horribly wrong and the next day oh the world didn't end and i'm still mm -hmm. a comedian so you, then you just get over the fear of failing and that's where you get comfortable start doing stuff because anyone that's ever done anything of worth is like yeah i i did this thing and i i colossally fucked up and when i woke up the next day i wasn't dead and the world was still going and i realized oh i can keep doing this and isn't that the funny thing is, like, that's our biggest fear, fear of failure, but then fear of failure in public with other people <sighs> staring at you, and yeah. it's literally everything that stand-up is. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, I've had people tell me, like, you're so good dealing with, like, hecklers and stuff. I'm like, I'm not good dealing with hecklers. The only advantage I have, I'm not particularly quick, quicker-witted than anyone in the audience. It's that I've been on stage... I've had hecklers get the better of me so many times, <laughs> and the next day my career wasn't over. So it's 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 not that I'm so much smarter; it's that, that it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I, I just don't have any fear anymore because that's been beaten out of me. And when you're going up against a guy that's like, I will, I can take this out as long as I need to take it out. <laughs> you will just lose because he doesn't care. Right? You know, it's that I've just gotten over that fear because I've had my ass grounded in the stage. <laughs> you know, by by. By drunks that got the better of me. Yeah. So. Uh, so some of these stories, like you're talking about the the time that you're with at the terrible club and oh boy, that stuff yeah. actually is what makes you better. That that makes it easier to put up. You don't know it at the time. Yeah. At the time, you're just like, well, that was eleven days wasted. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's much later that you look back and go, oh, hey, there was something to be gotten yeah. out of that. What can that? I mean, it's that. There's a there's a. A speech that David Foster Wallace gave at Kenyon College, where it's and he had it's, it's a one of the best commencement speeches I've ever read. Go look it up online. It it is one of those things, and I hate to use this cliche. It it literally changed my life when I was done reading it. It made me rethink everything I thought about life. And he talks about how many times are you in default mode during the day when you're just you're shutting your brain off and you're like, oh, this is you're in line. And you're like, oh, fuck, I just want to get this over with so I can go do the important shit. But for all you know, that moment, you being frustrated in line is the important shit. Mm. You know? And if you look at the truly great comedians, especially I, I mentioned like Maria Bamford and, and also Brian Regan, all of their comedy is about shit that we try to blank out in our minds because it's so annoying and not important. And, they, and, they're, and they've paused to go, wait a minute, this is actually, there's something here. Yeah. You know, like getting oriented at a new office temp job that Maria does, or yeah. Brian Regan, that classic bit he does about selecting donuts at a donut shop, which <laughs> we would not, you know, we would just think, I would just, you would think in your life, yeah, I went to the shop to get donuts, and then, and then I went home to write. And he's like, no, actually, that you picking 12 donuts, there was something cosmic and really important <laughs> in that, because it revealed a really amazing thing about you as a person. So that's where, you know... It's a, it's like a James Joyce Ulysses moment when he's like, you know, sitting in the bath and thinking about jerking off is a real mm. part of the human condition. And he does a whole chapter about that, you know, <laughs> it's genius. So, yeah, that's. Well, one of the things. Hang that... on, I'm thinking about jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take an hour. If you oh, need okay. it, take oh. an hour. <laughs> get, okay, go get some snacks. <laughs> get donuts. Yeah. Come back with donuts. <laughs> Uh, I, and I think it's interesting to me, though, one of the things about you, I think that is somewhat unique from other comics, is that you are willing to hold things uh, as precious to you. You know what I mean? And you do this in the bulk where, you know, you're talking about this album that, that R.E.M. basically kind of look back themselves and treat it the same way you're treating, you know, your 
first uh, special of saying, well, maybe they don't like it, but it was everything to me. Yeah. So many comics are so slash and burn, you know, mm-hmm. that it 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 takes away this ability to say, well, this is what the guy stands for. And you kind of wear a lot of these things on your sleeve here. Well, I, you know, it just, it seems to me now that I'm a little older, the best comedy comes from somebody making fun of something that they love rather mm-hmm. than something that they hate. Because if you hate something, you're just like, you, it's, it's hard to go much further than, well, this is just stupid. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you love and are delighted by something, even if it's something really sick, like a, like in my instance, the, the, the KFC famous bowl was something that it's, it's a horrible thing, but I actually love the fact that, wow, we've gotten to that level of excess in this country. There is something kind of gorgeous about that. Um, and, you know, it goes back to like, if, if you look at, I think if you look at Mel Brooks's films and his first four films, you look at like the 12 chairs, the producers, the um, uh, blazing saddles and young Frankenstein. Those are all things that he loved and was obsessed by. And and that's why he was able to make fun of them so well. Or if you look at someone like Sam Kinison, who there was a lot to his act that I really, really hated and despised. I think he I think he hated women. I think he had some real problems with with gays. Um, but then his stuff about religion is transcendent because mm-hmm. he used to be a preacher. He truly loves religion on some level and can thus make fun of it in this. Um, I mean. On a level that other people, they just go, well, religion's just stupid and you're, right. you know, he took it to this whole other level where it's like in his years as a lay preacher, I bet he really did sit down and, you know, when people go, was Jesus married? There's, there's no evidence that he was, no evidence that he wasn't. And he really clearly sat and thought about that in kind of a delighted way. Like, let's imagine if he was married, like how yeah. would he, how would his life, so that that stuff, I just think that the best Comedy comes out of when you're talking about something that you really love. And and anything that you love, if you love it really deeply, you will always get the point where you're like, God, I love this thing, but oh, this one part of it is so dumb. Mm-hmm. It, why does that have to be in there? And that's that's where the, your comedy starts. So uh, for you, it's like with women and gays, maybe that's something that you feared, but with the religious stuff... It's something that he loved and then was also frustrated by because it was something that I think he loved that he saw just get so degraded. Yeah. And and I, and I think he was very disappointed that he, I bet he thought people would kind of rise up and go, well, Jim and Tammy Baker and Jerry Falwell, these people are monsters, but they didn't. Right. And that's what spurred a lot of his comedy is that I'm watching something I love get fucked over. Right. You know? So what, which, that's... Yeah, which kind of... Uh... Is a weird thing, and you, well, you just wrote the piece for Wired about the about the geek culture. Yeah. But the amazing thing about those guys is how quickly they will turn on somebody that they love. I think of you know George Lucas is, uh, and hey, Frank man, Miller I, made one movie that they didn't like, and it seems like they're very very rough on him after idolizing him for years. Yeah. Oh uh, well, I mean, there it, it goes back and forth. I mean, if if you do stuff that. People really, really love, and then you kind of get lazy about it. Mm-hmm. Then what you're doing is they're like, well, we loved what you did passionately, and now, and you're this th- the guy that makes stuff that's really amazing, and now you've done something, you've gotten sloppy about the things that you love, and so of course we're pissed at you for it because we weren't sloppy about the stuff that you did. You, it really in- ignited some passions in us, and when you see someone that you love. Doing something like, I don't fucking 
give right. a shit. It's like, but we do, and 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 you used to, and we were all excited for that. So, you know, it was like that moment when George Lucas was like, "Am hey, I fancy to get a life?" It's like. Your fans kind of gave you the life you have. It's not that you should live your life for them, but have some passion about what you're doing. Yeah. Because they have passion about your work. You know, it, it's like, it's the thing that you would think any creative person would long for is that people be passionate about what they do. How many creative people do stuff and their fans are like, man, it's all right. Yeah. You know, well, that's a, that's a sad way to live, so... Well, you you did the uh, movie The Fan, and uh, I think what's always interesting there is uh, when you see what happens at the game, these fans feel almost they hate for the other city, for the other team, but then you see the owners' boxes are next to each other, and those guys are talking, uh -huh. yeah. and the guys on the field obviously have more in common with each other than they do with their own fans. Yeah. So the, there's a thing of a fan where you're almost – kind of out there on your own as well you know maybe the people don't feel as passionately about it as you do well the the, the i think the supreme irony of it is the stuff that is r truly great that really makes the fans passionate about it is the stuff that the person who's doing it is not doing it for the fans they're doing it for themselves that's where the best work comes from music writing stand-up i'm not there for the fans i'm there for myself because i really passionately believe in it it's the stuff where the person is doing it specifically for the fans or who they think the fans are, mm. that's the stuff that sucks. So th there's always that weird push-pull. It's the, it's the athletes, like the transcendent athletes, not the jocks, the athletes that are really trying to push themselves. They're just there for themselves. But, but ironically, they ignite the most passion in the fans. It's the athletes that are kind of playing to the stand stuff that, and they're hot-dogging. They're the ones that are doing the shitty stuff that no one gets passionate about. Mm. So there is that weird push-pull. I mean, I'll give George Lucas credit. At the height of the new Hollywood, when it was stuff like Taxi Driver and, and Fat City and Five Easy Pieces, yeah. he did a throwback studio nostalgic you know, spaceships and monsters movie because that's what he loved. And and so he wasn't doing it for the fans. He wasn't doing it for, like that's the thing that ignited the passion. The 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 prequels. He's just keeping the well. The yeah. fans they like the goddamn monsters. And and of course that stuff just doesn't work. So you know you you if you really want the fans to be passionate about what you do, you cannot do shit for them. You have to do it for yourself, whatever it is that you're passionate about, and then they will follow. Yeah, because Lucas was, was was an independent filmmaker in the 1970s. He, he was went a out, ball. I mean, he could, raised he, the money, did it all himself. In, in a way, he was the ballsiest of all of them mm -hmm. to take a risk on that movie and, and then to waive his director's fee and do all that stuff. Like, that was the boom, I'm doing this for myself. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what happens, man. I mean, who. I mean, also, I've heard, like, friends of mine that. Know people that are in like huge bands. Like, I've read or friends of mine have pointed out that like a band like the Rolling Stones are like, well, these guys, they don't break up. Well, in some ways, they can't now mm -hmm. because the Rolling Stones is a massive corporation with employees and people who depend on the health insurance sure? and like that. They can't break up. It's almost like it's out of their hands. You know, they have to go through like lawyers. It would it would take up in order to break up. It would take up so many years of their remaining life yeah. to go through a breakup. They're just like, fuck. I'll just go out a few months a year and play the old songs. And you know, so it's maybe it was just out of his hands at that point. 
doing those prequels. There's so many people involved. Yeah, and it's not like the Stones can play small venues now because no. they would lose massive amounts of money because yeah. everybody is on the payroll. It's uh, it's rough. Well, uh, let's go back into the fan. You did this, and again, I think one of the things I love about that film, and well, first of all, it got recommended to me uh, by somebody who was petrified that you stole the character from their own life. That I got a, a call from a guy, I'll just call him Eastside Dave McDonald. <laughs> who, he, uh, now is that, hang on, is that like a rhyme thing? Yeah. Is his name B-Side Dave yeah. McDonald? All right. but, but he had done all those things that you did in the movie where you're yeah. writing things down and coming up with a name. And, and what I love about that is that just like what you do with some of your younger stuff, it reminds me of you, but almost instead of of adding new things to the character, you take things out of yourself. The, a lot yeah. of the stuff that you have is self-defense, I think, gets taken away. Yeah, I, I again, I, I don't think, uh, from what my limited knowledge of acting, and it is limited, um, is you can't play a character that you hate. You have to, even if you're playing a hateful character, you gotta find something about them that's lovable. Mm -hmm. So, as as kind of horrible and and damaged as as Paul was in that movie, there is a there's a weird kind of nobility by accident in that he's rejected the world, mm -hmm. the world. Now, if you reject the entire world by default, you're going to reject a lot of materialism and competitiveness and pettiness and and stuff like that. So he is sort of cleansed of a lot of bad habits that you see other characters in the movie have but it's almost like they have full lives that have bad things attached to him he has no life there's nothing good in his life there's also nothing bad mm -hmm. so there is something kind of pure about that and i i do have a lot of affection for you know i go to there's a there's a rep theater in um los angeles called the new beverly and there are just these film freaks that they just go there and they see every movie and they've got their you know battered edition of Leonard Malton's film guide and they're mm -hmm. checking off the movies that they see and and I was sort of like that and in, in, I, I had a big foot in that world for years and there's something kind of lovable about that, that yeah you know where other people are out there I got to get the latest car I got to get the latest iPhone these guys they just got their bag lunch and they're moving they're just and they're they're going to <laughs> way appreciate art right you know sure. so there is something they're not out there you know, getting divorced and making children sad and, and buying ugly houses. They just, they have a little <laughs> apartment. They have like a very limited wardrobe and they're just like these monks going to work. And also the fact that they're keeping a place like the new Beverly where people can just like beam movies right into their home. They mm -hmm. they go to this theater because they probably don't have money to buy a flat screen TV and, mm -hmm. a, and a nice satellite system. So they go and they watch their movies. And so, so something about that guy, Paul, that's like, I just call into this radio show. I sit in the. I I, I would. Is a doesn't have the money for a ticket, but B, I don't want to be part of that big, right. kind of pulsing mass in there. This is special. This is like church. Yeah, I'm gonna go worship in the. I forget the part of the Bible where he goes, go to the go to the silent secret place and worship your God. You know, that's that was from the Sermon on the Mount, where basically Jesus gives a sermon. He's like, don't go to church. And then people built churches so they could listen to that. <laughs> so, so they yeah. could tell that story yeah. over and over. Hey, Jesus said a really interesting thing uh, sort of about not going to church. So you would all open your books to... Uh, the... Yeah. But all these things, 
uh, like you said, everybody needs something to connect to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'll, I'll take it back to the REM thing, mm-hmm. I think that's always interesting is that one thing that you can hold on to as a kid, that opening door that if, you, if you're in the REM, then you're like, oh, I read this article in there into Patti Smith. And yeah, sudden, yeah. You know, Patti Smith now talked about a book, so I'll go pick that up. And that's that's how I used to do it is those yeah. connections. Yeah. Well, what is different and you bring that up in your in your Wired magazine is that the kids can do it so quickly uh, now with the Internet. Yeah. Where it was. And that's why I related so much to getting that one album because you couldn't afford a lot of albums mm-hmm. and sitting down with it. And you know it too well. Yeah. After a while where now I think with kids because they can go on YouTube and then read everything you can be into a band. And be sick of them within seven or eight days because you know too much about the band that quickly. Yeah, it is. You can you can oversaturate yourself uh, with something that's actually good. And, I, and I'm wondering now how many genuinely good experiences um, younger people are missing because they oversaturate themselves and go, sure. "All right, I got the white stripes. I got it. I can <laughs> yeah. move on." It's like I bet you don't. Yeah, you know, like give it another chance or re-listen to like. As you get older, you also realize it's very important to, when you can to reread, to rewatch, to re-listen, yeah. um, and to because you can really because I because when you're young, you just want to consume as much new stuff as you can. But as you get older, you rewatch things in a new con. Like there was a there's a very famous um, uh, film called La Ventura that when I saw it, it's by um, Antonioni. When I saw it in my twenties, I was like, what a piece of shit i hate this movie so much and everyone was like this is the greatest one of the and and i was in my 20s and i watched it and i hated it and then i saw it again in my late 30s it with a different set of experiences behind me and i saw a completely different movie and and realized why i hated it because it's a very much a movie about me and my circle of friends when we were 20 it's it's deadly accurate about what a bunch of shallow kind of insecure assholes we were so when you see it when you're a little older, you're like, oh, okay, this is a complete. So, you know, or I just rewatched Smokey and the Bandit. I know this sounds weird. I loved that movie so much when I was a kid. That movie is just, and you watch it when you're older, and you're like, oh, I see why I like this as a kid. But as I was older, there's a, there's there's weird undercurrent to that movie that you don't notice when you're a little, even a, a just a piece of mass entertainment like that. There's a there's just odd things in there that you don't notice as a little kid. So you know, I'm. I'm I'm on this campaign to kind of rewatch and yeah. relearn things now, and it's amazing too that some things, whether it's an album, a movie, a book, it's just also has to do with that point of your life. That, yes, and, and exactly. I don't want to do magical thinking, but sometimes, if you're open to it, these things will show up, and you're like, okay, now I can hold on. Yeah, bit. and you don't you don't get to plan when that happens. So they're just those moments when a piece of music or a book or even uh, visiting a city just opens up a line of doors in your head, and you can see this whole other world like all at once. And and when it happens, it's really amazing. Uh, and then, oddly enough, that starts to define who your friends are—the people that seem like they're moved by the same thing. When you're a little yeah. kid, it's just who lives next door to you. And then as you get older, you know, it, you start to find. It. And now. It's amazing how sometimes somebody can just bring something up and it's almost like a wall goes up between the two of you. Or the opposite happens where you're at a certain age with someone else your certain age and there's something that you guys 
connect to so deeply and so strongly, and then you go your own ways for a while, and it it the thing that you guys both connected to took you in such different directions right. that it means something totally different to you guys when you're older, and you realize now we have nothing in common. Yeah. Even though we were completely enmeshed in this thing, it took us in totally... Or maybe as you got old, you look back and think, and go, oh, I'm looking at it in a... Way that I see, maybe it was kind of silly, mm-hmm. or maybe, and it, but you, and you, you meet your friend, and you realize they never saw it as silly. Yeah, they took it. They they've kept it sacred and serious. Yeah. And now, what do we talk about? Yeah, you know, it is that that is the funniest stuff, especially with high school friends, because oh, yeah. some people stay there, you know, and they're like Jethro Tull, right? And you're like, what? <laughs> Jethro Tull? Yeah. <laughs> what do you even mean by that? Or also just those people that are like. There hasn't been any good music yeah, since I, I was 18. It's like, no, there's been amazing music, but you just miss being 18. Yeah. You miss when you were healthy and your back wasn't hurting and, you know, <laughs> you didn't have to worry about, well, if I have this bagel now, it's just going to pooch out. So, what, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that there's that thing, too, of I don't want to, I want to be that young. Because sometimes it's hard to separate those things from your own life, that they become so ingrained. You yeah. know? And you did that in the book by by running those songs through because those songs were your soundtrack. You made up yeah. your own soundtrack at yeah. the time. But then is if, if you, and I don't do it in a big clanging way, but in, in the later chapters, chapters when I'm older, chapters when I'm younger, you can see how those things change context mm-hmm. later on. I'll mention you know, building snow forts or listening to certain music, but right. in a much, but in a very fleeting way, and you realize, oh, that stuff that used to fill up my world now is just a, barely a memory. You and know, yet, that's still there. Happens. It's still, it's still, it is there, you, but it's just not there every single day. Yeah, you know, there, there's a great book by this guy named William Maxwell called "So Long, See Tomorrow" that is specifically about that phenomenon. About you know, you're young and you, you're friends with someone, and it's so specific and. You know, and you go through kind of a big trauma, and then you meet later in high school, and there's just nothing to talk about. You just you're completely. Was I friends with that guy? Like, yeah. And, and and you feel horrible about it, but it's unfortunately life is about loss. There's just loss, and things get taken away, or things change context, and you you just sort of have to embrace that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It really is hard, but that's just what happens. But then that also takes you back to the life of a comedian because. That life becomes so unique, whether it's travel and, you know, I'm waiting all day to work the one hour a yes. night or whatever, yeah. that suddenly you stop relating to what, let's say, the basic American life is. Oh, I know. That's, I mean, I'm a big believer in going out and living a life. I don't, you know, right now I'm in this, I'm in, the, I'm promoting my book. So it's mm-hmm. all just promo, 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 and, and interviews and stuff. And this is, of course, the least creative time of my life, the, this next week or so. It's like when I was promoting Ratatouille, you, you are living in a world that has no context or connection with, with real life and no context or connection with, with what a good comedian does. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, there's times when I go away from show business and go shopping or go on a trip or just hang out with my friends so that I can have the experiences that I can then put into my work. Yeah, your 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 um, Stephen King said it. Your your life cannot be a function of your art. It's got to be the other way around, or your art is just going to suck. Well, you talk uh, also in the book about uh, the MTV tent. Uh, oh Jesus! Yeah. Oh my God! Free stuff gets offered. <laughs> These to... gifting suites. The gifting <laughs> suite is is the 
locus of everything horrible that I've been talking about. <laughs> that is where you really see the – that is the – you could not be more – that's when you I, – I honestly think the gifting suite to these weird portals where people that are moving up in showbiz – they go to a gifting suite, and some people are like, this is the life I – yeah, more of these, and that's when their work starts to suck because mm-hmm. they just want to be in that world. And then other people were just like, this is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. I need to get out of here now. And those – you know, the people whose, I think, art you tend to like and keep following are the people that go to one gifting suite or they get a taste of that world and go, I don't want any more of that. No. It's just gross. Well, so, I think one oh, of the things that God, yeah. <laughs> it was. I'm sorry. It was the. It was one of the worst. Ex- really was like I, one of the worst experiences of my life in, in a literal way. Like up there with like surgeries that I've had or people dying. Just knowing, seeing that le- that, that that level of greed exists in me was so horrible. And then having to fight it and then getting away from there was one of the worst experiences of my life. Well, you also had the opportunity to have it a little. It didn't happen to you when you were 19 or 20. Thank God. Where, you know. I'm serious. If that had happened when I was young, I would. Re- I know I would have gone in a really bad direction. Yeah. Really bad. I mean, when you see. I mean, now you can see why child actors get so fucked up. Yeah, because you know? they don't have any. You know, they don't have enough of, of like, uh, either parenting or just enough social interaction to kind of pressure that that pressure that helps mold your character mm-hmm. once that's taken away young when you're being over validated it, it can really fuck you up yeah i have nothing but sympathy for and and patience for like child stars and child actors when i hear that they've gone crazy or, or fucking up it's just like i can't imagine coming out of that meat grinder as as sane as a lot of these people are sure because they were just as dumb as as we were at that. They just happened to be on TV. Yeah. But you're kind of explaining in you know, or just showing us in your book that you don't make the right decisions. Never time ever and time ever. Again. But imagine not making the right decisions and have people going, "That was great." Yeah. Right. That was brilliant. <laughs> and, and and never feeling and never experiencing consequences for anything. Yeah. Living without consequences, it's like living without skin. There's just nothing that's holding you together anymore. It's so <laughs> gross. It's almost like pretty girl syndrome. Like, it's like oh, pretty God. girls is just like, oh, I don't need to do anything else. I'm pretty. Yeah. You, boy, you, there's never anything more obvious than when you see a, a woman who's older – who, and, and they're just horrible, and you realize, oh, she used to be really hot. Yeah. See, just based on their behavior, like, that's someone that everyone's like, oh, that's really brilliant. I never thought of it that way. You're so smart. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, but you can spot that immediately. Yeah, <laughs> particularly since they're competitive with their own daughters. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's painful. Uh, well, you brought up Ratatouille. When you're out promoting that, I guess it's even on a uh, – you're traveling at either a better level than you are tra- uh, promoting your own book, I yeah. guess. No, I mean it, you're you're in this very, very rarefied world of, you know, you're the, the, when, you, when you see the promotion machine that close up and how massive it is mm-hmm. for something that massive, it can get really daunting because you realize there are people that they, they just – the megastars, this is just where they live all the time. Yeah. Like a Will Smith or a Tom Cruise, they they have to schedule time out of this world. Yeah, you know it's really rough. That's why it's always odd when you see somebody that it doesn't. It seems like they blow it off. Like Adam Sandler appears like he doesn't take it too serious. Yeah, almost to the fact that people don't realize how much 
movie success that guy has had. Or maybe how much even part of that has now become commodified by handlers and now they make that like I'm I'm sure he genuinely didn't, you know, care much about that stuff, but now that has become part of the machine. Yeah. And that has become part of the promotional process. So he can't suddenly buy a suit for himself. People are like, Come on. You're changing I don't the image. Know. It's, yeah, it's just weird. It, it you know, you you have to fight for a control. When uh, you get that big, I guess. I mean, I, again, I've only seen the outskirts of it. Yeah, but I well, would imagine. I mean, I, I, the fact that he he's married and has a kid and is as sane and kind of cool as he is is, I guess, a testament that he spotted that stuff early and fought it. Yeah, you never know who's going to be affected. Uh, Kevin James, who you worked with, is well, he's now he's become a monster. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just um, but I mean, his success level is just. Tremendous. Yeah, but he's another guy that very much fights to avoid a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You know, just I just remembered him on the show. There were just certain things like I'm just not we're not doing this. You know, that's just not gonna work for me and it's not gonna help. It's not you know like he knows who he is. So he it, and again he also had success a little later in life and yeah. I think that really helped. I mean he was also in the trenches of stand up and you know formed a character, I guess. Yeah, and those years, character. those years help you. Uh, oh, they help a lot you more. so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not. I mean, it, it's it's it can be really dicey getting successful young. I uh, I tend to I see that show more now because it's on at that like six seven o'clock dinner time. Mm-hmm. Or for some reason, it's filled in with Cheers and Seinfeld and all you see. Yeah. But I I'm amazed how natural he is. As a, a comedic actor, yeah, I mean, he. Had, I was always, it's like, God, this guy, he's just such a natural. What the hell? Like, uh, I'm struggling here. And then he said, but he did community theater in Florida for years. Uh-huh. Like, he was on the stage, like learning his stuff. He, you know, again, he just did, and also because he loved doing it. So, mm-hmm. it, it, the the people that are truly good at what they do are the people that really love what they're doing. Yeah, but it's almost like you can. Uh, uh, certainly in terms of acting, people throw that mm-hmm. away. People that are just kind of developed that character and are good at it yeah. aren't appreciated as much as the guy can come up with an accent and have a hook for a hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. It's, it's, it's us natural guys. <laughs> it's the ones who don't try that you get the prizes. I've always said that. Daniel Day-Lewis, what a hack. <laughs> Well, when you got right... Oh, you grew a mustache. Here's a <laughs> reward. <laughs> I don't know why I'm t- taking that guy down. Yeah, I know. He's done nothing yeah. but, but love you. He's done nothing but been yeah. there for you. Um, but when you got Ratatouille, I mean, I don't think that was something that was expected. I mean, normally those things Not are by me. to gigantic <laughs> name actors. Yeah, like I know. I, they the Brad Bird heard... One of my um, bits on a satellite radio station one night and said, that's the guy. And he, they, from what I found out later, they made a pencil test of Ratatouille doing one of my bits, um, the the Black Angus steak bit. And, <laughs> and they showed it to the Disney execs, and they were like, is he going to like be cursing like this? Like, no, he's going to read this. You know, the brass not going to come out and go, look at this fucking bullshit. Like, he, they're going to, he'll read the dialogue we write for him. And they went, okay, so. So that that's something that just you were already accepted before you even know that you're up for it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they brought me in to read for a lot of roles. Um, they, they 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 had me read different roles, but but I found out later that they wanted me for the lead. So, 
How are you nice. at that? How are you at going in and doing auditions? Is it a tough process for you? It's really tough. Yeah. It's really nerve-wracking and because you don't know <laughs> like for all you know, you could be reading a scene that you would normally struggle a bit with and need work and there's other scenes where you could just nail it and show them what you could do, but you don't have you don't get to choose what scene you read and mm -hmm. and and you don't know what the mood of the person reading you is going to be. So, I mean, it's it's a really rough pro. I hate auditioning. I yeah. hate I'm so bad at it. And it's just, it's awkward. You come in, hey, everyone. <laughs> I know I'm going to be reading this thing. And man, so. Oh, now, is that also like the stand-up something that'll give you that scar tissue that you're going to need? And yeah, well, nah, yes and no, because stand-up, you control the whole thing. Auditioning, yeah. you don't. So I think a lot of stand-ups can fuck themselves up by going, well, I'm a great stand-up, so obviously I can be a great actor. Just like there's actors who are like, well, I can act. How hard can stand-up be? They're both equally hard, and they're completely different. Yeah. If you treat them that way, with, treat them both with respect, you'll do okay. Mm. You know, I, I'm just as sick of actors who go, yeah, comedians with your jokes, as if we don't write the jokes, as I'm sick of comedians who go, Actors, it's just pretending. No, no, it's it's really hard. It's hard to do. So just everyone be nice to each other. We're all trying to be creative here. It's hard. It's all hard. So uh, I had to write down what you do. It's always comedian first, though. Even yes. though you're writing books, and I, I write books. I do. I I, I act um, so that I can do more stand up. So I can keep doing stand up. And that'll help, help fill the rooms, or yes, yeah. So I, and I can do bigger rooms and do. And do more of the stuff I want to do as a stand-up. Uh, when you go out on the road now, though, for now, people, ha now you're carrying this past, whatever it happens to be, mm -hmm. around whether you used to be, just I guess playing under the name comedy. There's comedy yeah. here. Go see comedy, and it just happened to be you that night. Yeah. So what is the big difference between that? You just said it, man. They're yeah. they're coming to see you. If you get to, if you're lucky enough to get to the point where they they want to specifically come and see you, then you can push yourself and your audience further if they're coming to see comedy you're pushing against an audience with just all these expectations that they shouldn't have like well, i'm going to see comedy so it should be a guy in front of a brick wall it should be these <laughs> subjects they're not open but if they've come to see you you're assuming they're a fan they know your stuff and they're expecting you to do something new yeah. and it puts that fire under you uh you kind of get into hack comics in your book different yeah. types of them mm -hmm. uh from very early on uh was that one of the things that you're saying i don't want to fit into this field i don't want to no from very field. early on i mean that's what that's what that chapter is about is that i didn't know that they were hacks i mm -hmm. thought that a lot of these guys were just really great comedians it took me a while it, it wasn't until i saw a lot of comedy that i was like oh they're doing a bit that that a lot of people do or, or they're or they're and i don't th i don't believe that there's i don't believe in Taboo subjects or hack subjects, I think mm -hmm. anything can be made brilliant or acceptable. But what I was seeing was guys that would bring up, you know, flying on a plane and, oh, I get four peanuts and the food sucks and, the, you know, they would just do the same beats and rhythms of it. Whereas if you if you listen to, like, Louis C.K.'s bit about airline travel, it takes to this whole other philosophical level. It's yeah. brilliant. So, um, you know, it, but it, again, I had to watch a lot of comedy to go, oh, these this, these guys aren't even trying. Yeah. When I first started out, I thought, oh, these guys are great. They're getting laughs. They must be great. You so know. it's not so, never about the material, just kind of the surface of whatever that Well, is. also, I was coming up in on the East Coast in Washington, D.C., and at the time, it was kind of at the very beginning of the end of the boom. That's when mm -hmm. I started in 88. 
So, and at the time, I just remember it was all about results. It was like, hey, they're laughing. Right. So that you know, I remember there was a there was some comedy magazine, and I was, and I and I held it up, and there was a picture of a comedian on the cover that I didn't like. I just thought that they weren't funny, and I was like, hey, you know who's funny? Not her. I was like pointing at their picture, and all these comedians were like, I don't see you on the cover of a magazine. She's right. rich. And I wanted to go. I didn't say she was poor. I said she's not funny. Like, but their whole thing that like once you are on TV and wealthy, there's no one yeah. can criticize what you do. I was like, I think you still can if they're doing something crappy. Yeah. So you know that I that's why I left that scene and I went to San Francisco, where you know surrounded by delightful snobs. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like th there was it was very much a results oriented business at that time. And that's kind of America. I mean, and to a basic American, they're like, you know, Kim Kardashian, Sean Penn, same thing. They're both uh, famous. Both, both famous. <laughs> they're totally both famous. They're the same. Uh, so now that you've written the book, you started movies, is um, is the thing of making your own movies, is that somewhere in your yeah. mind? Eventually, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd love to write another book. I ended up having more fun doing that than I thought I would. And... Uh, and then, you know, I'd love to write a movie that gets made and then eventually start, you know, I'm going to, this year I'm going to start learning how to make movies, like really start rewatching movies that I love and why do I love them so much and try to, and also instead of just thinking about it, actually try to shooting some stuff. Because it just seems to me that like the kind of, the movie making technology is now just in everyone's hands. There's no reason sure. not to make movies now. Yeah. Or there's no impediments. There are reasons not to make movies, especially if the movie you want to make sucks. But, um, <laughs> the, but you should. So I mean, I don't know. I, I, I want to just keep expanding what I do yeah. and learning new things. And out of all of them, I think making comedies is so difficult. And that uh, on a bunch of uh, you know worst of the year list that are just coming out now, I see a, a couple comedies on there. That'll have three or four hilarious people, yeah. and they just had a major fail at this. And they were trying hard, yeah. man. They were trying. Every bad comedy you see, those people, except for a few exceptions, there there are comedies where you're like, oh, they just, they did not care. Yeah. But, <laughs> but those are few and far between. The shittiest comedy you've ever seen, those people busted their asses trying yeah. to make that thing work. Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't. There's nothing you can do about it. And it seems to be such a far uh, more of a drop than if a, if a drama doesn't work or an action film. Because you can watch an action film and go, well, some of the scenes were okay. Yeah, yeah. That was all right. But if you're watching a comedy and they take you out of it. In two or three scenes, you're like, "Well, this was a horrible experience." Yeah, I can't, is, I can't yeah. believe I was in that oh, yeah, theater. Yeah. Well, if if a drama doesn't work, what? It's not dramatic, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like it's just like the worst you can say is like when they were having dinner and talking. I just didn't wasn't really interested. Yeah. But now take that same scene in a comedy, and you're like, "Well, they just had dinner and talked, and fucking nothing funny happened." <laughs> like, you know, comedy it should be at this elevated level. So yeah. you, it's a much further drop when a comedy doesn't work. So it's almost, uh, well, sometimes I'll end up laughing at certain scenes in the fan, let's say, that... Are, you, know, it's, you know it's called Big Fan, right? Oh, no, I didn't know. I thought it was oh, the fan. Oh, okay. it's called Big Fan. <laughs> All right, I didn't uh, want to correct you, but I just felt like, you know what? Four times is a charm. I get to correct right, you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel horrible. I was thinking but... of the Robert De Niro movie. Yeah, the yeah. Fan. So when you were stabbing Wesley Snipes... Yeah. Um, yeah. 
did that hurt? Wonderful man, wonderful man. Um, no, very, what, very giving actor. What we're going to do is go back and edit big all yeah. through this. That'll be just weird. It'll sound like when you'd watch, remember when you watched Smoking the Bandit on TV and they, yeah. they didn't even try to mimic Jackie yeah. Gleason's voice? They're like, you scumbums couldn't close an umbrella. And you're like, what? You didn't even try. So in a film like Big Fan, your film, this is where everyone applauds. Uh, oh, that's so cheesy. Yeah. No, we're, <laughs> we're going to edit out the part where I say everyone applauds. Oh, nice. Oh, the, the work that's going to take place uh, after this is oh, done. Oh, boy. The, the editors are going to earn their money tonight. But I mean, the, uh, the thing here, if you're kind of making that dark comedy or you have a drama, uh, something like Goodfellas where there's just funny scenes, sometimes that works so much better than yeah. a, uh, a comedy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, life by itself, there is a lot of comedy just in life and how people interact. And mm -hmm. even in a drama, you have to have moments that are funny. I mean, some of the Hitchcock had genuinely really funny moments in his movies right. and 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 so does uh i mean there there's there's even a there's a moment in taxi driver that genuinely makes me laugh it's almost like there's a there's like a woody allen moment out of nowhere when mm. he takes her to the porno movie takes civil shepherd and then she's mortified and then she leaves and then she he's walking out like what's wrong i'm we'll go to another <laughs> movie and then she's like no no and then she uh she hails a cab and then she gets in and drives away, and then he literally just goes, "I have a cab." <laughs> like it's just this, like wow, that's like this weird yeah. moment of like, oh, that's so real. Like what he would say. I'm sure that that Lee Harvey Oswald and John Hinckley must have said or done funny things in their life at one point or another, <laughs> up until when they shot a president. There must have been days when they did something goofy or you know. I never thought of that. I never yeah. thought that there's somebody saying, "I work with this guy Oswald. He's fucking amazing." Yeah. <laughs> Funny, he's great. Yeah. Uh, and then going back to text, it's just nuts that Albert Brooks is in that film. And has some very funny scenes. Yeah. yeah. Just, even when he doesn't mean to, is just looking out the window. Who is that guy? He's yeah. just looking out the window for a second. Yeah. So do you think that's the uh, area that you'd like to get into more than just the big... I, I don't have... I don't care about genres anymore. I just want to do stuff that's fun for me to do. And is good. So mm -hmm. if, if it's a good horror movie, if it's a good comedy, if it's a good drama, I just if as long as it's good, like I just or, or interesting. I also like I I what I want really is or I want the money and I want <laughs> the anecdotes. So if I can work with the Cohen brothers, great. <laughs> but if I can do like let's say I do some like a movie with like. Gary Busey and Nicolas Cage, I would do that in a fucking second <laughs> just for the stories. Like, you know, I, I'm i just as happy to be in Ratatouille as I am to be in Blade Trinity, which was a disaster, <laughs> but the stories I got out of it are great. You know, so that's the kind of career I want. I just want stuff that's interesting to me, and, and you don't know what the next thing's going to be. Zombie Spaceship Wasteland, uh, perfect title. It's all right there, and we haven't even given it away, but when you read the book, you'll choose to see which one you are. Pat yeah. Oswalt, let him hear it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks so much. Oh, we're walking off? Yeah, oh. we're walking off. This has been the Ron and Fez Show. If you missed any or all of it, 
Check out the Ron and Fez replay weekdays at 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific. Sirius 197, XM 202, The Virus.